0: Okay, episode one hundred and thirty-eight, and you know the T section is before we begin, right? Yes. But now I have a before we begin, the before we oh, begin.
1: you just killed Steve! You just killed him. <laughs> you did. He's. How? I mean,
2: oh, how long is this gonna go? It's
0: gonna I don't. Be- I don't even want to start the T section oh, without getting a couple of things out of the way. <laughs> okay. So before warm-ups. There's got to be the the pregame meal. This is the pregame meal oh. before Woo. the warmups. Okay, got gotcha. you. Number one, I'm sore. Number two, I'm concerned. And number
1: three, I'm in need of a clarification. Now, do all three of those go hand in hand, or are they all s- three separate, separate categories? Okay. You're sore.
0: Which would you like first? Sore, concerned, or in need of a
1: clarification? Well, if this was 19, like in the 60s, <laughs> sore would mean that you're angry. It doesn't. No, mean, no, not, uh, I'm not angry. I'm sore. Pain. I'm literally sore. <laughs> okay. Not-
0: I had my first round. Of the Pfizer vaccine. Gotcha. Ladies and gentlemen, you you can now celebrate Mitch Levy at least has had one round. Everybody who has had a vaccine has told me the exact same thing. You hardly feel the needle and there's zero ramifications, consequences. Effects. Effects of the first one. Everybody's complaining about the second. A lot of people are complaining about the second round, but the first one you don't feel and there's nothing to it. Yeah.
1: And then why am I still sore three days later? Well, I mean, first, everyone has said I mean, there's probably some people who got a little sore. I
0: can tell you that my mom told me she didn't even feel the needle. My mother-in-law said I didn't even I couldn't believe they told me that it was already done. You don't even feel the needle. Okay, either I had a nurse who hated the show Mitch in the morning (laughs) or I had a blacksmith (laughs) posing as a nurse, a male nurse. I had Fokker. I had Fokker, which is fine. Are you okay with the male nurse? Sure, Fokker, yeah. you remember Fokker. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and, and normally, by the way, I'm okay with needles. I'm, I'm, I've learned to be okay with needles. Okay. I don't freak out about it. I, I very rarely ever have any kind of effects, ill effects going forward when I have my shots. I have a shot, whatever. This guy, I'm telling you. It hurt at the time, and it hurt for three freaking days. My shoulder was so sore from this. I'm not talking about, like, nausea or headaches or fever or COVID symptoms. I'm not talking about the internal stuff. I'm just talking about the needle in the shoulder. This guy either had it out
1: for me or he needs to practice on somebody else. Now, you said the actual prick into the arm hurt i mean the prick yes <laughs> like that hurt because it hurt a little bit okay more than you thought it was going
0: well to. i thought i wasn't going to feel it <laughs> right that's how. condition too oh, I, you're right. not going to feel it oh. you know you're not even going to know that it happened right and i felt it but i was like Ow! okay all right and i was relieved no i was I, I was relieved but then it just got sore that night and the next day i woke up i was like oh my god my shoulder. who is
1: this guy <laughs> You had a hammer tapping it <laughs> into your
0: arm? It was Fred Flintstone the way he used to write. Remember the way Fred Flintstone used to write with a hammer and a nail? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like so I'm sore. But actually, I'm here to report that I'm feeling a little bit better today, Sunday, than I did Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But I was, I was good and sore from shot number one. So I don't know what's going to happen. And my wife, I, I told my wife, I said, I'm bringing it up on the podcast. She said, don't do it. Don't do it. Why? What if they hear it? What if you end up, you're going to the same place for number two. He's going to be waiting for you. <laughs>
1: He's going to be in don't, the parking lot don't waiting don't for you Don't bring it up.
0: <laughs> she, she warned me. She pleaded with me not yeah, yeah. to bring it up. So I brought it up. So I'm that's sore. exactly what you I'm did. I'm sorry. All right. Do you want to do concerned or need of a, a clarification?
1: Let's do concerned for 200, concerned. Alex.
0: Concerned. I have not been able to get to Amazon. I'm still waiting to get back to Amazon. I okay. got a very, very concerning text the other day. I've tried to call them. I've even t- tried to record the conversation when I called. Yeah. Apparently... I bought a $2,800 Canon camera. Ooh, nice one. Uh, That would be Amazon order 41721FGTY. I bought it on April 17th. Yeah. And if I didn't, I need to call this number... And I've been calling the number and getting no answer, and I'm really concerned because I didn't buy a twenty-eight hundred dollar camera. Wait, no answer? No answer? They're missing out on money here.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is this is. I they... was ready
0: to give him my Social Security <laughs> and everything. Right. This is their
1: their life. Just life's to blood. clear this
0: out, <laughs> here's what the text says that's got me all concerned. Security alert! You paid twenty-seven hundred seventy-nine and ninety-nine cents against Canon DSLR camera at Amazon. Amazon with a zero, inst- is that the way they smother? It's got a zero yeah. instead of an O. Order ID 41721FGTY on 417-2021. If not, call now. And I called the 800 number. I can't get anybody to answer.
1: Now, what if it turns out that that Max bought that for his girlfriend or something on the Amazon account? I would say, first
0: of all, Max, <laughs> who's paying for a $2,800 camera? Yeah. Second of all, the next time you order something from Amazon, would you do it with from Amazon that has an O instead of a zero <laughs> yeah. in their names. This is how, this how, this how they get away replaced. with it here. This is if, yeah.
1: they, if they ever get caught, well, we didn't copy Amazon. Ours has a zero. Maybe that's their move. I don't know. I thought it would be interesting to
0: call them and tell them that I didn't spend $2,700 and see how that went and yeah. record it and share it with everybody on Mitch Unfiltered. But I have not been able to get an answer in the few times that I've called.
1: So, so somebody, there. did you tweet about this? You must have. Yes, I did. Somebody sent us a video to watch. And I looked at the video and it was 23 minutes I was like, I'm good for like 15 seconds of somebody <laughs> falling off a skateboard. 23 minutes, I'm going to watch this. Yeah. I started it. I wish it was 23 hours. It was awesome. I'm so glad this guy what said was it to it? us.
0: What was it? I, I have not, I've not checked it out.
1: It's this elaborate scam of, of these super smart computer people, for lack of a better term, yeah. catching scammers in the act. Oh. And the, the whole network and the mules that they employ. Oh, and yeah. These people, like, they have a FedEx package sent to them, but they just rent an Airbnb, but they don't even go in it. They just stand on the porch. Instead of their, their home address, right? They get the package, they give it to this other. They went on this full investigation on catching really? these people. So you're advising me to watch the. Video. It was awesome. It was, and then, really? of course, I go down the rabbit hole of catching other scammers because they are really like the lowest. People are you telling on Earth. me that this isn't legit? Oh, I told you Max bought it, so I think it is okay. legit. Okay. Yes, yes. So yeah. I'm,
0: I'm concerned about that. So I'm sore and I'm concerned. And then the clarification that I need is I was I was sent via Twitter, Mitch underscore Seattle. I was sent via Twitter from a listener. We've talked about food and you make fun of me about my pickiness because yeah. you don't like anybody oh, yeah.
1: who's picky about food. It's an irrational, unfair disdain that. for picky eaters. Yeah, it's not You fair. hate that. Yeah. Kids, um, I like go by a little bit, but then I just blame it on their parents.
0: Well, Eric Georgia sent us the picky eater test, which I also retweeted. <laughs> you get one point for every food you will not eat. And will not is in caps. Yep. And I have been I've been struggling with this. There are sixty-three items, hot shot. Sixty-three items on the picky eater test, and you get one point for every one you will not eat. Okay. Okay. And I retweeted this and I got seven or eight people that said, I'm a 21, I'm a 14, I'm a Whoa. 7, I'm a 31, I'm a 19. There's 63. 31. Apparently, 63 objectionable food items on this list. But before I give you my score, here's what I, I need a clarification oh on. What is, you got to define will not
1: eat. I think it's clear. Foods that you just look at it like, like mushrooms. Mushrooms. You just, you will not, you can't put it in your mouth. No. It's it's not foods you choose not to eat. That you don't like. Yeah, they you don't care for. you prefer
0: something different. But you would eat it. You would eat it. If, if someone if, offered you if, 10 grand. If you it, 10 grand. If you went to somebody's house, this is why I don't go to dinner parties. <laughs> well, if you have you to get to, invited first. Yeah, that would be true. <laughs> okay, that'd be true. Uh, you go to a dinner party, somebody feeds you a dish, you kind of have to eat what's on your dish. Otherwise, you, you run the risk of offending them, right? Yes. So... I would say the picky eater test is, what is it that you wouldn't even eat as a guest at somebody's house, right? Yeah, I think that's probably a fair way to look at it. Yeah. Well, in that case, you are going to be very impressed. I I was hoping you were going to give me that answer. (laughs) I was assuming you weren't. I was assuming what you were going to say is, no, 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 Mitch. It all counts. It all counts. If you don't like something, it all counts. You're saying... I've gotta be turned off just by the sight of it. I will not eat it to get a point, right? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, like, like liver, I, I just won't eat. Like, I mean, is that your one? No, no. Sorry, I will eat liver, but I'll probably go to the grave never eating it again. Chop liver. Or just like a cooked piece I love of liver, chop, a
0: chop, chop liver on a, on a sandwich. Wow! Yeah,
1: I'd eat it. Surprise! Not that only one. would eat it, I
0: would enjoy it. Chop liver.
1: Well, I suggested we play will Meet Mitch Eat It" on this podcast a while ago, and I got no traction from either you or Steve. But I think no, it would no, be a fun I, I game. No, no.
0: Well, how does that? How does it? I'll
1: figure it, it go? out. Yeah, I'll, yes. Yeah. Let's do it. I'll give you but, a list of stuff. I,
0: but I have sixty-three I- items, and I, I and now I can give you my score. Blue cheese, no problem. Canned tuna, love it. Chicken. Now, like coffee. Would you say I have a point on coffee? I drank it for 15 years. I would drink it if you put it in front of yeah. me. I don't have any any desire to drink coffee. I don't uh, love the taste of
1: coffee. I wouldn't give you a point okay. for that one. Yeah. All right. You've had it and yeah. chose to drink yeah. it in your yes, life. Yeah. Yes.
0: Cooked fish, course. love it. Crab, grapes, no problem. Ketchup, mayonnaise, yes, yes. Who doesn't like
1: M- ketchup? Why is that on the list? Mustard, <laughs> Nutella spread, oysters, love oysters. You do? Love oysters. Well, I'd be bad at Will Mitch eat it. I would be bad. I would have had you. Go. No, see, raw, I, raw, too. I or... haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Oh, no uh, that's on here. <laughs> uh, oysters, I love. Uh, peanut butter, no problem. Ranch dressing, of course. Oh, I get the special sticker. Raw fish.
0: I can't do raw
1: fish. We're drawing the line at raw fish. Can't do raw fish. So, no sushi. You're out on sushi. I eat sushi if it's cooked, if it's okay. shrimp
0: or if it's cucumber or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the raw
1: shrimp. You've tried it, obviously, like raw, like salmon or like a spicy tuna roll. Well, or have you how not about the tried octopus it? that they give you? Is that, is that raw? Yeah, it's oftentimes raw.
0: Well, I like that. Okay. Well, Does that yeah. mean I don't get a point for raw fish? Because no, I like octopus? Okay. <laughs> I'll take my point for raw fish. Shrimp, yes. Snails, escargot. I've never tried them.
1: So I don't know. That's my one. Really? I, Have you tried escargot? No, I just, I can't. And I'm, I'm a huge hypocrite because they're all animal, you know, so I eat steak and hamburger. Yeah. Something about eating Pretty snails. Pretty woman,
0: slippery little sucker. You remember when it goes flying, the yeah. escargot? <laughs>
1: right. Julia Roberts? Maybe because I see them in our neighborhood on the sidewalks oh. and they've they got their little houses. So that's houses your one
0: and- on the whole list?
1: Yeah, on the whole list.
0: Sourdough bread, yes. Soy sauce, yes. Tea, yes. Vinegar, yes. Carrots, yes. Tomatoes, yes. Cucumbers, no problem. Eggs, cabbage. Now here we go. Cauliflower and asparagus. I will eat cauliflower and asparagus. I prefer not to eat cauliflower and asparagus. A lot of vegetables are on my list, but they don't. It's not like I would for ten thousand dollars or go to somebody. I wouldn't taste something at a a guest house. So that's not a point. Beef, yes. Turkey, pork. Liver, Brussels sprouts, would prefer not to eat Brussels sprouts. But
1: you could take one down the hatch. Of course. Okay. All
0: right. dark, dark chocolate, garlic, lettuce, broccoli, zucchini, coconut. Don't love coconut, but would eat it. Onions, white chocolate, tofu. Avocado, I cannot eat. Oh, okay. I, I draw the line at, at, what is this stuff? Guacamole. guacamole. I cannot even look. I will not even taste guacamole.
1: Because you have and you didn't care for it, or you I, just think you won't like it? texture of it. Oh.
0: Everything about an avocado turns me off. So you can give me a point for that, and I'll gladly take the frickin' point,
1: okay? <laughs> Maybe raw fish is the texture for you, too, because that's a weird texture. It took me a while to get used to it when I started eating sushi. But I eat octopus. Yeah, it's rubbery and different.
0: Oranges, grapefruit, raisins, strawberries, apples, no problem. Wheat bread, celery, no problem. Mushrooms, I'm out. I don't like Eggplant. I think I'm gaining a point on eggplant. I won't even taste eggplant. Okay. Don't like eggplant.
1: I don't love it, but I would eat it. Beets are fine.
0: Watermelon, cottage cheese, pickles, peas, pineapple, bananas, milk, olives I hate, yogurt, and beans. So how many were there? There's 63. Maybe? Yeah. So,
1: hey, not bad. It's a cockamamie list, though. (laughs) I mean, come on. <laughs> Ketchup and man, it's I mean, a come on. list. Uh, strawberries, grapes, uh, all that stuff tastes good. We got to dig in a little uh, bit on this list. It's, it's not. All good. right. By the way, you said. I'll so- play the
0: game. If you want to play the game, will Mitch eat it? Will Mitch eat it, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll yeah. come
1: up with a list. Okay. I'll get you.
0: Can we get the listeners involved somehow? Yeah, somehow. We'll yeah, have to figure yeah, that yeah, out.
1: Yeah. But I heard you talking, and I don't know. I don't know who you were talking to about it. Yeah. It might have been another podcast you were on, but you said something oh. about you, you like food hot. Like You don't like the takeout food. It cools. It, something happens on the way home.
0: Oh, that's a big one for me. It's I, a big one for me, too. I am though. not a takeout guy in terms of taking food out and eating it at home. Because by the time it gets home, it gets compromised. Something's somehow. different. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you and even when i it, mean a pizza if it gets delivered really piping hot i'm fine with pizza but very little you know when my family says hey let's go grab something and bring it home yeah it sounds like a good idea on paper but then you get it home and you're <laughs> like i wish i had eaten it there i would have even rather have eaten it in the car sitting in the parking lot right than have brought it home something happens even and maybe it only it. happens in our cars
1: <laughs> on the way home i don't know what it
0: is something happens to this food
1: on the way home well i for me, it's the temperature. I hate when food, like cold pizza sucks. Anyone who says they love cold pizza is like, it sucks though. It's not as good as hot oh, pizza. Oh, not even close. Right, okay. Not even close. So one time we were going to our friend's house. We live in Seattle. We live in Snoqualmie, 45 minutes away. They said, yeah. pick up dinner and come on over. We right. picked up a bunch of Thai food. Yeah. We love Thai food. Yeah. But it sat in the car for 45 minutes. Yeah. Right, okay. So we get there and we talk for an hour before we oh. get in. So now it's like an hour, yeah two hours. Finally, we start getting into it. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to. Go heat it up in the microwave. Which my wife—fine. Fine. Well, my wife gets very embarrassed when I do that, <laughs> especially when it's something that somebody might have cooked for us, and I'm in there heating it up. So, but I didn't care. I known this guy said second grade. I don't okay. give a crap. Okay. All right. I go into their kitchen. Big yeah. plate of food. Yeah. No microwave. They do not possess a microwave. Who doesn't possess a microwave? Anymore? That would be them. <laughs> Because it's probably bad for you or something. Oh, I, yeah. The waves, the microwave waves in the house or something. I, I don't, don't know. They don't, don't have one. All right. So now his wife gets wind of it. And now she's like, oh, l- let me get a pan. And then she's looking for pans and lids. And <laughs> I'm going to whip it. And she stops her meal to help me. I'm like, oh, I don't need this. No, it's, it's fine. I'm now now I'm a big picky baby who won't eat the lukewarm food. because. Oh, eat, <laughs> no, I, don't want,
0: I don't want to misrepresent my feelings here. I... I, I I'll go to a restaurant and bring it home. I just don't ever think yeah. it's as good.
1: Okay, I'll like eat Chi-
0: it. Do you eat Chinese food? Love it. Okay, I love Chinese food at the restaurant. Yeah. I don't want to order Chinese food and bring it home. By the time it gets home, it's a little soggy. It's, I, I don't know. i with you. Yep. I like food when it comes out of the kitchen. It's meant to be eaten when it comes out of the kitchen.
1: See, I'm totally with you on that. And by
0: the way, I'm consistent about that because I, I make food here a lot. Yeah, I think you might be surprised by that. But I'm in the kitchen. I cook dinners and lunches and breakfasts for the family. I guess there's only three of us now with gone. But for yeah. the, when Max was here, the four of us. I cook a lot for a guy okay. like me. All right? I don't, like
1: you? What's what? for a guy I co- like me? I cook a lot. <laughs> okay, right. I cook
0: a lot. I hate it when they don't come straight. When I call them and I say, dinner's ready. Now, I've been cooking it for 30. And they all right, we'll be there in a few yeah. minutes. No.
1: Bullshit. Pisses me off. Come right now. <laughs> yeah. I want you to eat my food right now. I'm with you. I'm very sensitive sensitive about that. Yeah, I don't like it either. Yeah, it's sitting there, and it's like, dude, it's been sitting here for 20 minutes. No,
0: I don't want you to. And then they come down 10, 15 minutes later, and they say, oh, it's great. It's great. And I know for sure it was better 15 minutes earlier. (laughs) It sure
1: was. I'm with you on that one.
0: I want people to eat my, my scrambled <laughs> eggs when I'm finished scrambling them. That's right. Yeah. I don't want scrambled eggs to sit there for two minutes. No, it's not good. Minutes. No, no, no. Are we going to
1: start the, the teas at some point? Or okay, is the teas. Yeah.
0: Episode 138. How, how's the weather? How's the weather the last week?
1: Well, like we said on the, I think it was the Pee Show, we're both yeah. ready to move to Arizona. I, I love it. it. This, I
0: won't move for this. If you tell me, you can, you know, I, I know that global warming is kind of a very
1: controversial thing. Climate change, but yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I like what's going on out there. Seventy-eight, sunny. like Oh my that. god! It's yeah. but it's
0: day after day after day after day for now.
1: Yeah, for we're now gonna,
0: we're gonna get killed. We're gonna pay the piper. That's in, right. In May, pay the piper. May yep. is bad, right? Yep. Okay, May and June. Yep. Both we're gonna pay for April. Lots of rain. Beautiful. All right. Yep. All right. Anyway, it's episode one hundred and thirty-eight. Um, I sure hope people listen outside because if you if you don't listen to the podcast outside then. We might be going out of business sometime soon. I know Richard Gould isn't listening to the to the program outside but you need everybody everybody's outside now right so you better I hope that people will actually listen and put their earplugs in and listen to Mitch Unfiltered earplugs I hope they don't put
1: earplugs in I hope it's earbuds earbuds
0: (laughs) subscribe listen and rate us also become a Mitch Unfiltered patron for five bucks a month good extra shows the rest of the week 138p I thought was good it was very sportsy if if you're one of these people that don't like it when Mitch talks about picky eater tests and Canon cameras and (laughs) shots vaccines shut the hell up Mitch go to sports you want sports 138p was very sportsy we did we did NFL draft we had a draft yep. guy on he told us who's going to be available for the Seahawks in the second round and whether that he said 95% that they will get a starter when they pick in the second round I'll take a starter. I'll take it yeah I want a starter we had the, the return of the NBA to Seattle we did a lot of stuff on 138p a couple of notes to read dear Mitch I got a kick out of you and hotshot Scott addressing my request for more F-bombs on episode 136. So he's following up. While the request was only slightly above a joke, it's easy to appreciate your decades of muscle memory behind the microphone. We explain that the reason I don't find myself laying F bombs out there on the podcast is because I'm so used to not.
1: Yeah, it feels weird.
0: It would feel almost contrived yes, to do forced, it. Yeah. Right? I'm also glad, writes Brian. That I'm not that jackwagon Richard Gould. Oh, boy. And or his request for content. Or more specifically, I'm glad that you didn't dox me. D-O-X. Oh, yeah. Me. That's good. Ask your boys what that means. Well, you can ask me, too. But Well, you're one of my boys. Oh, okay, good. Okay, I have, no, I have never seen that word in my life. Really? D-O-X. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's when you put people's personal information out there. To dox someone would be put Mitch Levy's address and his cell phone and all that stuff on, online. Oh. Yeah. Is Doxing's a, rough. Is
0: that a new word? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's big in like message did, boards and that kind of thing. When was it invented? Did anybody send me the memo or did I not,
1: not open the email? I don't know how that word started. It kind of showed up out of nowhere. Yeah, you're getting doxed. So
0: when, when fans at college basketball games chant the player's phone number when he's at the free throw line, <laughs> yeah. they're doxing him? I think it might have to be on the internet to be oh, it has to be on the internet.
1: I think. I'm no expert, but I think So he's it.
0: thanking me for doing not doing what? What would I have done to Brian that would have doxed him? What do I know? I don't know. Maybe putting? Did you say his name and all that? Brian. Brian. Oh. Brian, Brian. Brian. Did I just dox him? <laughs> no, I don't know. Am I doxing somebody by
1: saying their name? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But so you know, docs. Yes. Yeah. It's Have a really d- cruel thing to do. I mean, like, yeah. You know, put something you would yeah. not want your home address no. on a message board no. for people. To,
0: I, I'm happy to share my social security number with that Dexter. <laughs> that's right. But but on <laughs> online, no way. Yeah yeah. Hey Mitch, I love the podcast. Listen from day one and a patron. I
1: especially enjoy when you point out poor word usage. Like, could care less. Oh, could care less, yeah. Drives you nuts. But it drives me nuts, too. Yeah. It's couldn't
0: care less. I know it is. And nobody uses it right. You made right. this
1: clear to me in 1995. Did, did I, mean, I explain
0: to you why? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, because if you could care less, then...
1: Well, then it's not the, the thing then, you could care you least could. about. <laughs> well, you, you, you could care you could care less about more stuff.
0: Well, I was going to say, when somebody says I could care less, they're trying to tell you that they they don't care. Yeah. Well, if you could care less, that means you'd... Do care. Right. You couldn't care less. I'm with you. It means you're a You don't zero. have to convince me. Okay. I'm with you. But then he says, you have one that bothers me,
1: Mitch. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm Can't embarrassed. Just, he couldn't <laughs> just give you a compliment, could he? <laughs>
0: Because he really didn't write me to tell me that he likes the way no. I do that. He only wrote me to tell It's like what Al McGuire, remember the great college basketball yeah, coach yeah. Al McGuire? He said to me in a famous interview we did on KJR. People love that interview. Al McGuire called in before he died. Old man Al McGuire. Okay. And he said to me, he said, Mitch, I got some tips for you. It was great. He just went through a couple of tips. Right. He said, if a guy from New York calls you. Ignore the first three things that he says because he's really calling about the fourth thing.
1: <laughs> That's pretty interesting.
0: <laughs> That's good. A New Yorker <laughs> never really is calling oh, about the first three I things like it. he says. <laughs> well, this is this guy. Joe says that, Mitch, it's not coming out of the woodworks. It's coming out of the woodwork.
1: So you haven't noticed Coming out of that. the woodwork. I haven't noticed you say woodworks. I do. Oh, you do? I do. I'm,
0: I'm shamefully huh. embarrassed and guilty i've said it wrong for all these
1: years i've never noticed you saying woodworks. it's coming out
0: of the woodwork of
1: course it's coming out yeah. of the woodwork yeah yeah yeah. what that was wrong with me why'd you let me do that i, I don't remember ever hearing you i would have <laughs> noticed it because that would have bothered me it, what,
0: woodworks
3: oh.
1: yeah that's not good hey mitch uh just some
0: comments about episode 137 before we begin 138. i know you got a letter from somebody who didn't like the other stuff segment it's now called the richard gould segment for a reason by the way <laughs> Or when you don't talk about sports. That's my favorite part. I also love Scott, so keep him on. He's funny. Nice. And a great counterpoint to you and your opinions. He's got great stories, and I like the other stuff segment. With regard to the guy, I can't recall his name, though, (laughs) who was in high school for eight years. I think this is the real reason she's writing. Yes. (laughs) I don't think it was the first three things. She might be from New York, Maureen. the, The Trojan horse. With regard to the guy... I can't recall his name who was in high school for eight years on episode 137. Didn't that come across creepy to you? He's trying to hit on 17-year-old girls as a 26-year-old guy. Yuck! Just so he can lose his virginity. Just a thought. Also tell Scott, loved his Stevie Nicks profile. Nice. Thank you. From Maureen. Thank you, Maureen. Yeah, I mean. Uh, We got a few of these. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm equally as embarrassed to tell you that it didn't hit me. When I was doing the interview and editing the interview and getting the interview, I laughed, I chuckled, I thought he was funny, I thought he was odd, I thought he was awkward, I thought he was strangely entertaining, yeah. and then I put it together and I sent it and we put it on the show, and it never dawned on me, and now we've had a lot of listeners say, "Ooh, yeah, he was staying in high school so he could hit on seven, and now it makes a lot of sense to me, I see that now, but why did I miss that the first time? Around,
1: explain that to me. Uh, well, it's so preposterous that he did that. Maybe part yeah. of you was like, did he really do that? I mean, do you think he re- six more years in high school? Maybe a co- I mean, I don't know. Do you think he really did it? I mean, maybe, maybe well, you, part- you, you think he's lying about it? Six years I, and I think didn't he get spent caught. Ten. <laughs> Ten well, total years. Well, yeah, six more after you go. No, four. I thought there were
0: four in high school. I don't
1: know. Okay, anyway, it just maybe I mean, it's because I didn't
0: take him so literally about the sex. I know he was joking about getting laid all the time. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of thinking, oh, he felt like a loser. He didn't feel in feel feel fit in. He wanted a girlfriend, yeah. and he didn't want to leave high school. Maybe I just took it more as a. Is it possible I took it more as a just a general. A general comment about where he was. I wasn't thinking about really the sex, section. You are thinking more part. socially as yeah, opposed like to he, like, yeah. He felt, he felt out of place, and he wanted to feel like as one of the crowd before he went off to college. That's kind of the way I took it while I was laughing at it. But other people
1: didn't, uh, John. Well, when you put it in the way of 17-year-old and 26-year-old, yeah, that, that doesn't sound, <laughs> no, good. Didn't sound I, good. I didn't understand how he went from being the worst ladies' man in the world to, then I moved across country with my girlfriend. Like he didn't explain how he got the girlfriend. I yeah, was I curious do about that. Yeah, I did a good job that. at filling in those blanks. That's why tonight. I wish I would have interviewed him to really <laughs> get the get the best out of the guest that we could. <laughs> but you know, so part of me's like, so was he a good guest or not? Is he is he is he qualified for the best of show or not? Rick Rosner. I what did you think? Uh, I, I was entertained by it, but now that she was it, Maureen that put this Maureen, like, yeah. But when she puts it this way, though, it is kind of like uh, I don't know. Uh, might want to stay away from that going forward, if, oh in fact, boy. it's all true. Oh, boy. If it's true. But he was interesting. He was a fascinating life. But, yeah, I mean, she's right. If he's 26, he's hitting I, on 17 I like the su- suing who wants to be but a millionaire. His story. whole life is interesting. He's hooked up with Kimmel somehow. and Got the second highest IQ right, in the world, by the guy. way. Yeah, worked on remote control. I mean, just, yeah, interesting life. That part is a little rough. Yeah.
0: And he's married for, like, 35 years to the same woman. 30 years. They're celebrating, like, their 30th yeah.
1: anniversary. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either.
0: <laughs> at least David Barrett was sweet. He was great. One shining moment. Yes, he the was The creator awesome. of One Show. He was sweet. Yep. All right, guests on this episode 138, we've got to finish the tease because, oh. uh, God, it's going to be time for 139. We're wandering again on episode 138 a little bit with the guests. I hope you'll just oblige okay. or humor me, as they like to say. Bernie Madoff died at age 82. He did. Were you ever interested in the Bertie Madoff story when it all broke down? Extremely.
1: You were? Yep. Yeah, I didn't really quite understand what a Ponzi scheme was when it broke. But then my brother-in-law basically said, he explained it in a way that I can understand because he knows I'm kind of a dipshit and stuff like this. <laughs> so he, said, he said, let's say that you own a hotel and you rent out, but the, the hotel only holds 100 rooms, but you rent out 150 rooms. The problem is everybody wants to go to bed at the same time. That's how he explained it to me. That's a terrible explanation. No, I think it's pretty good. At some point, everyone's going to want their money at the same time. He would have yeah. got away with it. had, had to, if everybody- yeah. I, I think you could
0: do it a little simpler. Okay. Well, I it works for do, me.
1: It, think, okay. <laughs> I'm a little simple. I won't, then I
0: won't try. <laughs> Ponzi, scheme, Ponzi schemes are, are fairly are, are fairly rudimentary. Yeah. Elementary is that, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, or no, right? rudimentary. Not, rudimentary is not the right word. Elementary, I think. Basic. Essentially, you are taking from one guy and giving it to the other, yeah. and then you are taking from another guy and giving it to the other,
1: and you are giving false numbers as well. You are throwing false numbers in there to make well. Think well, you are keeping. Well.
0: Essentially, what you are doing is you are promising a return on an investment on principle. So if I give you, if I give you a million dollars, oh, good. You say to me, Mitch, you give me a million. You give me any amount of money you want. I can grow that money for you. And yeah. I say to you, how can you grow it? How much can you grow it? I can invest it and return eight percent every year on your money. I'd say to you, okay, done. 8% is probably better than most years that I could do on my own. Here's my million dollars. Okay. Now you say to Joe Schmo, Richard Gould, (laughs) Richard Gould gives you a million dollars and you promise him 8%. So what do you got to give me every year? You got to give me $80,000 to make good on the 8% per year. And let's say you write me a check the first year for 80 grand. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Oh. Hot shots the man. Yeah, he get, he's got my million. That's my principal, which by the way I'm never getting back. I don't know that. Ugh. And he's giving me eighty thousand every single year, eighty thousand. And all you're doing is you're taking in millions from other people to pay the other the interest each year. Right. But the principal, everybody's getting their interest payment and thinking this guy's unbelievable. Right. But what they don't know is he's taking the principal. He's paying off the interest to other people, and he's keeping the rest of the principal. And he's letting like no, a <laughs> And no one's ever going to get that money back. That's what Bernie Madoff did. Yes. No one's ever going to get their principal
1: back. But the problem was the economy crashed, and everyone came calling for their money, right? Yeah.
0: At some point, you're allowed to say, okay, I want right. my principal back. Of course. Yeah, it's your and money. Then,
1: and then if he doesn't have it, no, he we, have a, we have a problem. We did, yeah. We're laughing, we but this guy ruined people's freaking
0: lives. $65 billion. <sighs> $65 billion. This guy stole From charitable organizations. This guy decimated charitable organizations, right? I mean, it's... Holocaust survivors. He took all of their money. He ruined thousands and thousands of families. And he's known... The the thing is is a marquee thing because of all the superstar A-listers that he took from. Yeah. But for every Steven Spielberg who's on the list, there's a hundred Joe Schmoes whose parents... At 80, lost all their money to
1: this guy. Yep, that's right. right. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, you have to be the most psychopathic person so, ever. So I asked you if you had read Wizard of
0: Lies, and you told me you saw the movie, Wizard of Lies, yeah. starring Robert De Niro. Yeah, they, they have movies, so you don't have to read. It's awesome. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. You saw the movie? Yes. Okay. You also saw Michelle Pfeiffer play the wife? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the movie? Yes. You also saw the woman, the writer, interviewing Bernie Madoff, interviewing Robert De Niro as Bernie Madoff in jail. Yep. She played herself. The author is oh, not an
1: actress. I didn't know the that. The
0: author is Diana Henriquez. She wrote the novel. She wrote the best-selling book, Wizard of Lies, and then she starred as herself in the movie with Robert De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer. I love it. She is the foremost writer of Bernie Madoff. She visited him in jail. She interviewed him in jail twice or three different times. She interviewed the mother, the, the wife, the sons before they died. I mean, she was on the in okay. more than anybody. She is a guest. She's guest number one on episode 138. And in the same segment hot shot of Diana Henriquez talking about what Bernie Madoff did and how, how unbelievably monumental and historic it is, what he did, mm-hmm. right after she's finished in segment one, we have... Eileen Kent, whose parents lost all their money oh. before they died, to Bernie Madoff. So we have the writer, the author, and then we have a victim In because he passed away at the age of 82 last week. People so we're, like, we're wandering away from sports in segment one.
1: Because you're right. People like Steven Spielberg are still going to be able to eat somehow, right? Right. But then the, the average person who put their life savings in the trust of Totally man, put their
0: life savings decimated. in the trust. Of, done. Yeah. Had to go back to work at 80. Oh. Retire had to sell the retirement home. So sad. Some of yeah. them on the streets. I mean, Ugh. this
1: guy just did it to everybody. I, I don't want to give anything away, so just tell me if I am, but it, was there ever a time where he felt, where she felt that he was giving a little remorse when she was interviewing him in prison? Listen to the interview. Gotcha, okay. Listen to the interview.
0: So uh, segment one, interview segment one, Diana Henriquez, who wrote the book and starred as herself in the movie, and also somebody whose parents lost all their money, or most of the, the vast majority of their money to Bernie Madoff. Uh, segment number two is Charles Adams, who was featured recently in HBO's Real Sports. He's a really interesting, fascinating Minneapolis man who both is a successful inner city high school football coach in Minneapolis and a longtime member of the Minneapolis Police Department. Oh, okay. So at the same time as he was mentoring young kids, black kids, Mm -hmm. he was on the police force with Derek Chauvin, the Dante Wright thing, the George Floyd thing. He was in the middle of the riots and coaching football at the same time. Very intriguing man is charles adams the third and he's with us in uh, segment number two okay interview segment number two and then segment number three of the interview is a is a girl named hope Troutwine. okay and she did something on the softball pitching field that on the softball field that no one had ever done before here ever ever i can't wait to hear she is a Division I softball pitcher for the University of North Texas. Their basketball team won a few games in the NCAA basketball tournament, as you, remo- as you remember. Yep. What did she do? She
1: threw the perfect, perfect game. Okay. What would be the perfect, perfect game? I mean, so a perfect game is like no base runners. No base
0: all. runners. 21 up, 27 innings. 21 up, 21 down. What would be the perfect, perfect game that had never been done? In Division One college
1: softball. Don't tell me 27 strikeouts. 21 strikeouts. Or 21, I'm sorry. Struck
0: out every Jeez. batter.
1: No batter That's got incredible. a ball in play. <laughs> Gosh.
0: Wow. No batter got a ball in play. And she'll tell you that in the fourth inning, one of them tried to bunt just to get a ball in play <laughs> to ruin the perfect, perfect game. Yeah, yeah. And they fouled it off. They fouled, tipped the ball. They those, didn't get the ball in play.
1: Those softball pitchers, I, you couldn't pay me to stand in the box with them. They come so fast. And now they can throw curves and they throw these, these rising fast. I mean, it's impossible to hit some of these these pitchers.
0: Hope Trout Wine, University Oops. of North Texas, the perfect, perfect game, the first ever in college softball history. Division One college softball history will also be with us on episode 138. So before we begin episode 138, a tip of the cap to our partners, our sponsors like Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, and experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement, planning, taxes, and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com. Evergreen, everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, uniquely Northwest, with the best craft beer selection you'll find anywhere. And by the way, you can have your favorite beer delivered to your door by downloading the Zeke's Pizza app now in Kenmore and coming soon to Bellingham. Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler finally has some really good forward momentum. More and more are returning to the Northwest tradition for special occasions at Daniel's Leschi South Lake Union Bellevue Place, a world-class steakhouse. A huge thank you to John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions for sponsoring both the March Madness contest and our Mitch Masters pool, fireplaces, fire pits, garage doors, firesidehomesolutions.com. Jordan Flowers' team at the Kirkland office at Gild Mortgage has been saving unfiltered listeners lots of money for a few years now. Still some great opportunities and numbers on refinances. All you got to do is spend seven minutes with Jordan or a member of his team, 425-250-3150, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Here we go. Episode 138 begins right now. Unfiltered. If I said to you when you were a kid, the University of Arizona is going to hire a new basketball coach and they're going to take the assistant from Gonzaga in Spokane yeah. afternoon. Think about how ridiculous that would sound. Unfiltered. The fact that the Minnesota Timberwolves star player does not know who Alex Rodriguez is. Has no idea. I mean, and this was not like some sort of a like put on like he's like you're like, oh, was he joking around or whatever? No, he was he was totally dead serious in this video. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 138, now 30-something minutes in, is underway. Okay, good. Seahawks signed Alden Smith, hotshot, for we, some more pass-rushing help. Well, you're, are you laughing because you don't think it's much help? Is that why you're sort of giggling? I think this is a very complicated signing for a
1: lot of reasons. Okay. If you just let's stick with football just for yes, now, on yes, the field, does he yes. have anything left? Is it, is it much of a help?
0: He had five sacks last year with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Three of them were against Russell Wilson. Are you joking or is that right? That's true. Okay. Well, yeah. 60% of his sacks are against Russell Wilson. <laughs> no wonder I thought he had such a great year last year. <laughs> as, I, as I tweeted out, <laughs> the signing of Alden Smith is good for 10 sacks for the Seahawks. The five that he'll get yeah. and the five that Russell Wilson won't have to take at the hands of
1: Alden Smith <laughs> right. on one of the opposing teams. So we're teams. plus 10. <laughs> you're, you're plus 10. <laughs> okay, good.
0: He had a three-year stretch in 11, 12, and 13. We talked about this on 137P, yeah. right? 42 sacks in 43 games. One sack per game. Do the math on that. That's an average of 16 sacks a year over a three-year period. 42 sacks in 43 games. But then he was suspended from the league. A lot of problems off the field. Lost. Substance problems off the field. Domestic violence problems off the field. He was suspended, I think, for four, more than four seasons. And then he made his return to the Dallas Cowboys with his five sacks last year in 10 games. Yep. So the Seahawks are taking a shot on Alden Smith. Were you excited when you heard the news or not? I think it's help. Yes, I am
1: excited. Okay, I, I, I think he will help, but it is complicated like you alluded to.
0: It's complicated for a lot of reasons, not just the domestic violence thing, we, which we can talk about a little bit if you want to since it's called unfiltered. But it's complicated because they've, they've got all these guys. Not all these guys can be on the team. Or at least the active roster. They now have Alden Smith. These, these are pass rushers, right? Alden Smith, Carlos Dunlap, Benson Mayoa, Kerry Hyder, Daryl Taylor, the rookie who we haven't seen yet play, who's yeah. supposed to be the next coming of you know who Michael Strahan. Uh, <laughs> Daryl Taylor, Rasheem Green, Alton Robinson, LJ Collier. I just, I just named three, six, eight guys. Yeah. Not all of these eight guys are going to be on the team and going to be able to help, I can tell you that. Well, this is how Pete likes it. He likes to compete. He wants his guys to compete. <laughs> he put the Pete in compete. Okay. So this is how he likes it. So I don't know which of these guys are going to be good, productive, who's going to stick, who's not. They're throwing a lot of you-know-what against the wall. here. None of these guys are studs. Because they don't have the stud, unless Daryl Taylor is the stud. Yeah. They don't have the the 13, 14 sack per year guy. They're trying to stitch They're trying to go out and and do some bargain shopping and see if they can take a little of this and put it with a little of that and (laughs) throw in a little of
1: this and see if they can – Put together a pass. They're race. trying to get their 13 sacks via three guys. Yes. <laughs> Four yes. and a half a piece or whatever. Yes.
0: So I don't know how this is going to work out. So. Do we need an Alton
1: and an Alden? I mean, my brain yeah. can only handle so much. You, you
0: might not have both of them on the team. <laughs> we don't even know that Alden Smith is going to be on the final roster. For all we know, he yeah. won't make
1: it. Well, I don't know. We sat here. I mean, at least I know. I was bitching and complaining that the Seahawks have – they can't make any moves. They have no money, no draft. Yeah. So at least John's finding a way to be proactive and going out and getting people. Now, they might, they might all suck. But he at least he's sitting. He's not sitting around doing nothing. He's at least trying. That's what I like. They
0: all in their if they if we could have all of these guys from their prime.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, forget about it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we yeah. can make our we can make our plans for the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, Dunlap in his prime, Alden Smith in his 17 sack per year, 18 sack per year prime. Yeah. Right. It feels like they just they, they go out and they get these guys who are a little. A little long in the tooth, who at one point were great pass rushers, and they hope that they can just string them all together. Anyway.
1: Patrick Ewing on the Sonics is that what?
0: And this then is? there's the other thing, which I don't know. Do you want to talk about it or not? In 2012, John Schneider famously said when he was defending the Seahawks' decision to draft Frank Clark. Do you remember the Frank Clark story? Yep. I think it got himself kicked out of Michigan. Something happened or didn't happen in a hotel room where there was it was yeah. it was nasty. Right? It was ugly. Yeah. It was ugly. Uh, He said, when he was asked in 2012, he famously said, we would never have a player here who struck a woman. Right. Okay? And there have been guys since. Jaron Reed, for an example. He was suspended, I believe, for six games for a domestic violence issue. They re-signed him. Maybe they went and investigated and decided he did nothing wrong. There have been guys. Trust me, there have been guys since 2012. And now... He goes out and gets Alden Smith, who was suspended by the league for a domestic violence incident with a fiancé mm-hmm. many years ago. I'm not sitting here saying that John Schneider and the Seahawks should not sign these guys. I mean, I'd be the last guy to not believe in second, third, and fourth. Look, the, the, the biggest proponents of second, third, and fourth chances are guys like me who needed second, third, mm-hmm. and fourth chances. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not here sitting on some sort of a pedestal saying, oh, they should have not brought him in. You're not on Mount Pius. No, definitely not. I am nowhere near it (laughs) at the very bottom of it. The question is, should he have said that in two? Did he get himself in trouble by being on the record saying we would never have a Seattle Seahawk who struck a woman?
1: Yeah, he backed himself into a corner on that one, didn't he?
0: Yeah, I think it was... I think a poor choice, or poor decision to go out and say that.
1: And again, that was nine years ago. Maybe he's a different guy now. And looking back on that, he wishes he wouldn't have said that. I mean, well, we're all, we all grow and we all change and yeah, mature. And yeah. I think he was trying to say the right thing. But I would like to look at all these players kind of case by case. I mean, Frank Clark was 21. I mean. Alden Smith is 31. I'm sure Alden Smith's a different guy than when he did, I hope, than when he did those things. People can change as we I hope people
0: can change. Yeah. I hope we're, we're open, that society's open to the idea that people should get some opportunities after they make mistakes. But he said that, and then he signed him this this offseason, and there's some other guys, and what have you. I just wanted to bring it up.
1: Anyway. Yeah. No, if I were him, I would not have said that. It Because it what it does is it, it makes you look like you're either going to become a hypocrite, a hypocrite, or you're going to be a liar. There's, really, there's not really any upside. Because you could get a really good player, and maybe he is a different person. I'm not talking about Alden Smith necessarily. Right. So now, now he's just stuck. Now he just looks like a hypocrite for bringing somebody in when he didn't have to be because people can change. Do, do, does
0: it – what happens if Alden Smith has an incident off the field?
1: Right. As a
0: member of the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Then do we really start throwing back the 2012 comment in John Schneider's face? if something goes awry off the field with
1: Alden Smith. I don't know if it's fair to throw that back in his face. Maybe, maybe Alden Smith did a great job of convincing John Schneider. He's a different guy. Okay. Maybe okay. people in Dallas say he was the yep. utmost citizen, and I wouldn't throw that back at John Schneider. A
0: couple of other things for segment number one, while we're talking about off-the-field incidents. Oh, maybe that wasn't Aaron Donald who hit me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I have that have in my notes that? as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, by the way, was that dude wearing a Washington State Cougar sweatshirt? Have you seen that guy? You saw him because you, you pointed yeah. out you saw how, how bad his face looked after look the incident. He look like that. He was wearing a Cougar <laughs> sweatshirt. Yeah. Can't get away from the Washington State University. What do you think? Of, oh, oh, on second thoughts, that wasn't Aaron Donald. Sorry about that, fellows.
1: And, and in fact, I don't know if, how much of you read. No. Aaron Donald's attorney went on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh to talk about this. It
0: happened in Pittsburgh,
1: right? Yep. And he actually said Aaron Donald helped this guy from getting his ass kicked worse Because Aaron Donald saw that guys were pummeling this dude, and Aaron Donald's pulling people off. He was a peacekeeper. Completely saved this guy. This guy could have got his ass kicked worse. (laughs) Aaron Donald's picking guys up with one hand. And so here I am suspending Aaron <laughs> I, Donald. I know, I know. When I saw that his eye was completely shut, I was like, that looks like a punch from Aaron Donald. It kind of made sense if, in fact, he, <laughs> that's what somebody would look like if they were to fight. Turns out Aaron Donald was trying to save the guy, trying to help him, pulling people off of him. So, yeah, I guess we jumped to conclusions a bit on that. Yeah. And by the way, it says <laughs> the guy took a swing at Aaron Donald with a, a liquor bottle and, like, grazed the top of Aaron Donald's oh head. Oh, God. And Aaron Donald still didn't kick his ass, which he probably would have had a right to.
0: Speaking of taking a swing at somebody with something, did you see the video
1: I sent out? The two big guys. (laughs) Somebody was right when they said Hotshot would watch golf if this happened all the time on the course. Two guys. (laughs) I sent out a video
0: on Twitter. Mitch underscore Seattle. I sent a video out on Twitter of two dudes...
1: Or each each of them north of three hundred, right? I'm no one to talk, but the pandemic was not kind to of those two. <laughs> I mean, go, I'm with you guys. Holy sh- yes. How, north 350, of three, 350. right around there. Yeah, big two, guys. Two,
0: two three hundred and fifty guy, pound guys playing golf on a green, just laying down. I mean, just going at each other, and one guy pulls the other guy's shirt off. On, he can't do that. This is a golf course. You can't That's do that. True. You're gonna get in trouble. And you then the be guy who the guy whose shirt comes off. You talk about the guy swinging an Aredonald a, a bottle. Yeah. How about the guy whose shirt comes off? He's 350 pounds. He grabs the
1: flag out of the hole. Sure does. Grab and the, he starts <laughs> he starts swinging the flag at the guy. He swung it so hard, I think he broke it. Oh, I think it, like, snapped. Oh, I mean, he swung it. Because uh, first, I'm like, is this fake? I, but then I saw him swing that. Oh, he, you thought it was fake? Well, I, I'm always skeptical at first. But then he, like, he swung so hard. He would have just... He would have killed that guy if he would have hit him. There
0: have been some great videos that I've come across
1: (sighs) in the last week. But the, the two big guys fighting is very worth looking up. It's hilarious. It's yeah. really funny. It's it's funny. How, you, I mean, you, have you ever seen something like that on a golf course where two guys get, I mean, no, I, pe- no. Pe- pe- <laughs> people can get fiery, but on a golf course, I, I mean, come on, man. Jeez. <laughs> How mad can you get when you're playing golf? I have golf? no
0: idea. God. I have no idea.
1: And I'll end, I'll end
0: segment one. I've got some more for the other stuff segment. I know you got a lot for the other stuff, for the Richard Gould segment at the end of our three, four interviews, actually, four interviews in three segments. But I'll, I'll, I'll do this one in segment number one. Do you think that athletes at halftime of games look at their phones? Hmm. Do you think that NFL players at halftime pick up their phones to see if anybody's been texting them or check social media or make a phone
1: call? or? I, I, I do. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. I've it, never really thought about it. I that. think some do. I mean, if you're not going to play ever, if you're just a sub and you never get in. How about if you're in, a star? Like, I bet Russell Wilson does Does Russell
0: Wilson check... His texts at halftime of games, I can't imagine that he does.
1: I mean, but maybe he'd say, well, I do have a family. I just want to make sure everything's Here's okay. Here's the thing.
0: Here's the reason why I ask. Because I think if I asked you the same question about superstar NBA ball player, Steph Curry, uh-huh. you would say, no way Steph Curry <laughs> is checking texts on his phones. Not only is Steph Curry checking texts at halftime of NBA games. <laughs> yeah. He is reading Twitter and social media at halftime. <laughs> Because he came out the other night in the second half Mm -hmm. and made a shot and did a celebration of a plane going down the floor. Have you read this story? He did a – and the reason he did a celebration of a plane after a three-pointer in the second half is he got a tweet from somebody that was requesting – he was taking requests. (laughs) He read at halftime, (laughs) would you please, after a made three in the third quarter, do a plane – and he did it. And, he, and the re- the request, by the way, came from a media member that he knew, and she asked him in the post game, <laughs> "Why did you do the airport the airplane thing?" And he says, "You know why
1: I did the airplane thing."
0: He totally is reading Twitter at halftime.
1: It, that's how you know basketball's too easy for him. It, 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 I don't know if I'm disgusted by that or I'm entertained <laughs> by that. Is he effective on the court? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're all good with it then, right? NBA I mean, players are reading Twitter at halftime? I know, but these no! guys, they all grew up with it. Like, this is their life. It's their life's blood. I mean, this is what oh they do. Oh, my God. It's different for us. We didn't grow up with it. Now like, I got
0: myself thinking that baseball players in dugouts between innings, like waiting to go up to bat,
1: they've got their phones out. Probably. I mean, Pinello no. was sneaking cigarettes <laughs> in the dugout. Yeah, Panella's <laughs> not playing. <laughs> okay, fine. Cortez Kennedy was eating hot dogs on the side. I'm sideline. not <laughs> happy with Steph
0: Curry. I like Steph Curry. Yeah, I don't want to think that Steph Curry reads text messages and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at half times of, of 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 regular season. This is not even a preseason game. This is a real game. They need these games to make the play. Now he probably scored forty-eight right.
1: that game. Is he effective or not? No, like, but care? I don't. I
0: don't want to think as a fan that they're reading their phones.
1: <laughs> I mean, stop reading your phones, Steph. Why does it bother you?
0: I don't know. Because I, I think I always thought, okay, a, an athlete of that magnitude yeah. gets to the game, gets to the court, puts his phone, turns his phone off, puts it in his locker. All business. It is all business. Yeah. Warms up, plays the game, and then after the game, after a shower, goes to his locker, turns on the phone, and all the texts start coming in. Yeah, yeah. Everything starts populating, tweets start coming in, and he, and then he has to catch up like the rest of us. Yeah, I, I'm not thrilled. Knowing that they go
1: to halftime <laughs> doing this, you think all athletes go in there at halftime and start doing sit-ups and push-ups? I don't and know put what the they're Rocky doing. Music on Apparently and, not. They're nah. reading their phones. Yeah, basketball's too easy for him. He doesn't. He can do whatever he wants. It's fine. If he's scoring okay. in, at that clip, he can do whatever he wants. Again, they're, they're, it's not us. The, these guys are born with this stuff. They're born with the internet. It's okay. who they are, right? Okay. Grandpa Levy, come on. It's who they are. Get off my lawn, <laughs> totally. <laughs>
3: Four
0: interviews in three segments and then the Richard Gould other stuff segment it's time for Quizlet number three I improved from one to two ladies and gentlemen here she is Katie Versio senior financial planner our partners Evergreen Golf Call how you been Katie
4: I've been good Mitch thanks for having me how are you
0: I'm good I'm fearful but I'm good let's (laughs) go three questions
4: Okay, so I'm going to start you off with an easy one. And the the topic today is about taxes. The 2020 tax filing deadline has been pushed back from April 15th. Uh, What's the new tax filing date? Is it July 15th, May 1st, April 30th, or May 17th?
0: Easy one, May 17th. They gave us more time in 2020 than in 2021.
4: I tried to trick you there. Uh, Last year it was July 15th, but this year it is May 17th. Okay, one for one. Question two. So tax reform is a major topic on everyone's mind this year. Uh, Biden's administration is proposing increasing the top income tax rate from 37% to what? Is it 40%? 42.5%? 39.6% or 38%? I'm gonna be two for two, 39.6% Katie that's right yes that was what it used to be before the tax reform in 2017 so yes it's proposing from 37
0: to 39.6 i'm two for two and i'm going for the clean sweep
4: okay let's see if i can get you here so um, another major component of tax reform is a proposal to lower the federal estate tax exemption amount from 11.58 million now washington state has our own a state tax exemption amount. So is that $1 million, $2.193 million, $4.2 million, or $6.193 million?
0: The Democratic way, Katie. <laughs> um, I don't know what Washington State's current tax exemption is. I should know that. I'm gonna throw out the extremes. I'll throw out A and D. Let's go 4.2 million, I'll stay with C
4: okay so actually it's b 2.193 million dollars for anyone that passes away if your estate is above that amount you have to pay taxes to the state on that
0: not too bad two for three katie not too yeah. bad you'll come back soon evergreen golf call we love them everything well unfiltered
5: This is a CBS News special report. Good morning, everyone. I'm Katie Couric here in New York, where Bernard Madoff has just been sentenced for the biggest investment fraud in Wall Street history. A federal judge ordered Madoff, who is 71 years old, to serve a maximum 150 years in prison. All right, we're just
6: getting uh, some news into the
0: newsroom, Anne-Marie, that uh, Bernie Madoff, the well-connected uh, investment advisor who was convicted of running one of the longest Ponzi schemes in U.S. history, has died in prison. He was 82 years old. Episode 138, and this week marked the passing of the man whose name became synonymous with the biggest investment fraud in our nation's history. 82-year-old Bernie Madoff died in prison while serving a 150-year sentence after destroying the lives of so many with the most notorious Ponzi scheme the world has ever seen. $65 billion on paper. Diana Henriquez covered Madoff's trials and tribulations every step of the way for the New York Times and then authored the bestseller, The Wizard of Lies, which later became a movie starring Robert De Niro. Diana, what a pleasure and a privilege it is to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us.
7: I'm happy to be here. Thanks.
0: Before we begin, De Niro was great as Madoff and so was Michelle Pfeiffer. But whomever played Diana Enriquez stole the show. I I have to say she nailed you to perfection. Tell us the name of that actress, please.
7: (laughs) That's very funny. Here's the the kicker on that joke about my playing myself in the movie. Uh, I had to audition. I truly did. I had to pass a screen test to play myself. It was the it was surreal. I mean, a psychiatrist could have a lot of fun with that, but nevertheless, it was a, a once in a lifetime experience, obviously, to sit across a table on a movie set and watch uh, De Niro just completely disappear into this persona that he has created for Bernie Madoff, which was uh, eerily accurate. Uh, Just an amazing piece of work, and I'll never forget that experience.
0: How did the author like the final product?
7: You know, I'm probably the only happy adapted author in America. (laughs) Uh, I I know all my book-writing friends um, and acquaintances, I haven't met a single one who's Uh, work was adapted who had anything good to say about it and I have nothing bad to say about the HBO adaptation they were so careful with the script and your full disclosure I was a consultant uh, to HBO on uh, on the work on the script and the the wonderful screenwriters uh, were very careful about checking uh, factual matters and even matters of tone and personality with me
0: I think Diana I think that there's a lot of us while knowing the name Bertie Madoff and all the families' charities destroyed financially, we might not fully understand how exactly he did it. Are you able to put it in layman's terms for our audience?
7: Well, sure, Mitch. I mean, the sad thing is a Ponzi scheme is one of the simplest frauds there is. It's just a liar with a bank account. That's all you need, Uh, a trusted liar with a bank account. Um, And basically, the the scheme is to rob Peter and pay Paul. That's what it is. Uh, Money taken in from later investors is used to pay the promised returns to the early investors. There's no actual investment activity going on. Um, What made Madoff's Ponzi scheme so remarkable was that it went on for so long and that it reached around the world, which was extremely unusual, and that it kind of broke all of our stereotypic rules for a Ponzi scheme. And you know those as well as I do, Mitch. You know, the pie in the sky returns, the kind of investment pitches that make you say, gee, that sounds too good to be true. Mm -hmm. Well, a great line I heard uh, about Madoff uh, from a fraud analyst said, if it sounds too good to be true, you're dealing with an amateur. Ah. And (laughs) no, Bernie was a pro. He knew how to make his pitch sound just good enough to be attractive to affluent people, but never so so good, too good to be true, because that would have raised their suspicions. Remember who he ripped off? Yes, there were a lot of uh, you know a lot of ordinary people, a lot of pensioners, a lot of union uh, members, a lot of retired people, a lot of small business people, dentists and doctors and small offices. But there were also two retired chairmen of Merrill Lynch, one of the top economists on Wall Street, the, the uh, owner of the Daily News, the owner of the New York Mets baseball club. These were not unsophisticated, gullible people, but Bernie fooled them too. So um, that made him a very distinctive Ponzi schemer in my experience. Diana,
0: did he ever do it legitimately? Or was it always a lie and fraudulently taking from one to pay another?
7: You know, which Mitch, we don't really know. And now that Madoff has died, I doubt that we'll ever know unless the postman brings me a deathbed confession in the next (laughs) few days. My feeling, and I lay out my feelings about this in uh, in The Wizard of Lies based on um, material I got from my first prison interview with with Madoff. He uh, recounted an episode that occurred in 1962 uh, now, there was a market break in the spring of 1962 in May. We don't even remember it now. But at the time, it was the worst week in the market since 1929. So that tells you how shocking it was to everybody. Madoff was managing a little bit of money for family, friends, friends of family, and so forth. He had put their money in wildly speculative uh, over-the-counter stocks. not even Stocks that weren't even issued yet, but were trading in advance of issue and they were the first to crash and burn in this, in this air pocket, and he lost all their money. So here he is, he's been in business two years, he's lost all his clients' money by speculating on uh, risky investments. that He should never put their money in, they were conservative savers. What does he do? He borrows money from his father-in-law under specious pretenses, uses that money to make all of his investors whole he, the transaction showed up on their accounts as him buying all of the shares out of their accounts at par. So he covered their losses. Well, I'm saying, Bernie, that's that's amazing. What did they say when you told them? Well, I didn't tell them. They wouldn't have understood, he said. So he lost their money and he lied about it so that he could still look like the boy genius, the wizard of Wall Street. So. Obviously, Bernie had a long track record of preferring to lie rather than to fail. He, he lied to cover up his failure, and I think he probably did that consistently. But as to when he actually started uh, doing no trades and you know, purely passing money from one hand to the other. We can only make an educated guess. I do know from having talked to counterparties who dealt with him that he was doing some trades uh, in the early 80s and late 70s. Um, So there was some investment activity going on then.
0: A man of no conscience.
7: Basically, yes.
0: He decimated charitable organizations that did good for decades. Many Jewish organizations,
4: correct?
7: Listen, he he ripped off Elie Wiesel. What can I say? Yeah, he was, he was remorseless pitiless in terms of the people he ripped off. You know, what made him so complex, if I could, Mitch, is that he was, he was a real life example of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. There was a Bernie Madoff that he was proud of being. There was a Bernie Madoff that helped get NASDAQ up and running, that helped rebuild NASDAQ after the 1987 crash, that uh, was consulted by regulators, that built an extremely profitable wholesale trading house that had a commanding position in NASDAQ trading, uh, had soft proprietary software that actually was bought out of the bankruptcy after he was arrested, uh, had real value, he was kind to his employees, um, he was a family man who would adored his brother and two sons and his wife, and that was Dr. Jekyll. And then, on two floors down below that world, he's running a Ponzi scheme that is ripping off his relatives, his friends, people who trust him all around the world. So that is one of the things that makes him endlessly intriguing to me.
0: Who knew, Diana, both sons have died. What kind of life is the wife leading
7: these days? There's absolutely no evidence at all that the sons or his wife had any knowledge of his crime until he confessed to them just before he was arrested and as you know his sons turned him in after that confession. There is no evidence at all that they were in ever even under suspicion. By prosecutors. But they young. were never notified that they were targets or, or uh, subjects of an investigation. So I meet this question all the time. Oh, how could his wife not have known? How could his sons not have known? They didn't know because Bernie could not have borne for them to know. It, you know. Their adulation of him was the oxygen he breathed. He, he could no more have let them let the scales fall from their eyes. Uh, then he could have gone without breathing. So, you know, let me just emphasize that that they did not know. There is absolutely no evidence that they knew, and all of their subsequent behavior was consistent with their not knowing about his fraud. Um, now, some people did know. Obviously, he had a, a staff of people. Down in his 17th floor Ponzi Scheme Central, who were carrying out all of the paperwork tasks and computer tasks and telephone tasks that were involved in running this, running this Ponzi scheme. So he didn't do it alone. He had a, a staff of people locked behind a key card uh, entrance that, by the way, his sons never had a card for. They could never have even gotten on the premises where the Ponzi scheme was being run. So he had help. Uh, they were extremely well paid. They were unsophisticated about the ways of Wall Street. They'd never worked for anybody but Bernie. Um, and he did what they did what he told them.
0: Diana, how about his younger brother, Peter, who spent 10 years in prison?
7: Well, that's the one big question mark I have, Mitch. And um, I, I don't know that we'll ever know. S- uh, certainly, Peter learned about the fraud the night before the sons learned, so he He kept silent through what must have been a terrible night if that was the first he was hearing of the fraud. I think it's instructive that the prosecutors did not charge him with knowledge of the fraud. They charged him with what amounted to criminal neglect of his duties as the chief compliance officer and the chief legal officer for Bernie's firm. That's, that's what he pleaded guilty to and, uh, and was imprisoned for. Uh, he was not charged with a, any active role in the fraud. Now, if he had known about the fraud and not done anything to, uh, to further it, it's not clear that that would have produced a criminal charge. Bernie seemed to think that when this all came crashing down, which it would have done with his death, obviously, that somehow his sons and his brother would be okay. It was irrational, obviously, and he could see how wrong he was in real time because, as you may remember, Mitch, his family became complete pariahs. They were followed everywhere by paparazzi. Uh, they were accused in every print medium and, and website in the world of having of being part of a, of a gang. I mean, one guy said it was like an organized crime family with no evidence whatsoever against the other members of the family. So, I think that blindsided Bernie. I think he somehow thought that his family would be spared. And really, when you think about earlier white collar criminals, nobody was racing after Mike Milken's wife at, uh, at the supermarket. No one was actually even racing around uh, mobster uh, John Gotti's wife at the supermarket. There was something about the Madoff story that just loosed all the bounds uh, and uh, the media went after the Madoff family in a way I've never seen them go after the family of earlier white-collar suspects or, or felons. So Bernie didn't expect that, and maybe he shouldn't have expected it, but he saw it happen. Obviously, he saw his son take his own life uh, under the stress of the moment. He knew that his other son had, had a recurrence of the cancer that he had beaten 10 years before that was likely going to kill him this time, and did uh he he knew that his wife couldn't get an apartment because no one would rent to her had no friends left was fired by her hairdresser uh so he could see what he'd done to his family and just couldn't confront it
0: diane i asked you earlier and it sounds like you have compassion and sympathy for her what kind of life you just touched upon it what kind of life has she lived where is she is she 80 years old where is she
7: she uh, she is she she will soon be eighty. She was a, about three years younger than Bernie. She's living quietly in uh, in Connecticut. I'm not going to give the location. Um, she is close to her grandchildren, and they have been her salvation. Mm-hmm. When I interviewed her, in fact, in Florida, um, in preparation for the uh, uh, for the book, um, she was staying with her sister and brother-in-law, who kindly took her in. She had no place even to live, and while I was doing the interview, which lasted a good long while, you know how these things can go, i always had more questions, her grandson, who was in college at Denver, called twice to be sure she was okay in the course of that interview, so she has a, a family network within her grandchildren that she's close to. Um, her uh, former daughter's-in-law, she's close to, and And she's been doing some small-scale charitable work, you know, kind of Meals on Wheels kinds of things um, that have earned her some new friends. Uh, And I think the world has been more forgiving than it was immediately after Mm. uh, Madoff's uh, arrest had devastated everyone. And I certainly hope she has found some peace.
0: Diana, Steven Spielberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, you mentioned Mm. Fred Wilpon of the Mets, Larry King, Sandy Koufax, Kevin Bacon, Kira Sedgwick, Phyllis George. Um, The names go on and on. The A-list goes on and on. But most of them never talk about this publicly. I'm wondering why. Do you have a a theory on that?
7: I do, and interestingly, I I could give you the names of of another half dozen people you've never heard of who don't want to talk about it publicly. And it's, it's terrible. Uh, Part of of their reluctance is rooted in society's uh, mistaken stereotypes about Ponzi schemes. You know, there was a time long ago in the early 20th century when Ponzi schemes were really get-rich-quick schemes in which the victim thought they were participating in some slightly illegal activity. In fact, they were the mark, and they were going to get ripped off. But they were willing to go along with, you know, defrauding some betting shop or defrauding some uh, some brokerage firm. So, so they had been it in uh, with the promise of, which it, of riches if they would just, you know, cross the line a little bit. And that has given rise to a perception that people who fall for a, a Ponzi scheme are somehow aware that they are participating in some kind of illegal activity. And that was once true but that was 100 years ago. It is no longer true and it emphatically was not true in the Madoff case. Uh, But you've probably heard that old old adage, you can't cheat an honest man. Well, I mean, there was no greater nonsense ever uttered than that. Uh, But that's how a lot of older people, reacted to this. Well, they must have been greedy or they must have been, you know, deliberately, you know, overlooking the red flags. They just wanted the money. And that is is so untrue of the Madoff case. What I want to emphasize though, Mitch, is those big bold names, and the media was responsible for perhaps focusing too much attention on them as victims. They lost some percentage of what they had. And I'm sure they missed the money. There's no doubt about that. But there were countless people, thousands and thousands of people who invested with Madoff who lost everything they had. His fraud left them with no money, no resources. They had to sell their home to raise any cash at all, go back to work at age 75 or 80. People who uh, whose lives were completely uh, upended by this crime. So although it is intriguing to wonder how you know someone like uh, steven spielberg could have gotten lured into a fraud like this or morten zuckerman or you know people that you think of as being very sophisticated and very uh, and very wealthy it's more concerning to me that people who didn't have enough to lose got lured into a fraud like this and those are the folks i hope can be spared from future ponzi schemes
0: what does his death do for those people if anything
2: do you think
7: You know, that's interesting. I heard from a few people this week as news of his death spread, a few of the victims I've stayed in touch with over the years. I heard from a few of them. One was still viciously angry. I mean, just heartfelt rage against Bernie and what he had done to his life. That's one of the 75-year-olds still working a full-time job to try to make ends meet. Some were more philosophical. One said, you know, he's meeting a tougher judge than he has before. I I, I hope, for most of them, that it gives them some some touch of closure. You know, some sense that he died in prison as they wanted him to.
0: Best-selling author Diana Enriquez. The name of the book is The Wizard of Lies. Read it if you haven't already done so. It is tremendous. The movie is too. Starring Robert De Niro, starring Michelle Pfeiffer, and starring Diana Enriquez, playing the role of Diana Enriquez. Thank you very, very much. You are terrific to join us. It was a great privilege and an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, Diana. I
7: had such fun. Thanks, Mitch.
0: So the passing of Bernie Madoff brings some level of closure to his thousands of victims around the world, or does it? Eileen Kent, Columbus, Georgia helplessly watched as her parents lost the bulk of their retirement savings in the Madoff's fraud. Eileen is wonderful to speak with us here on Mitch Unfiltered.
5: Hi, Eileen. Hey, Mitch. How you doing?
0: Thank you for being with us. Tell us about your beloved mom and dad, please.
5: Well, for starters, they were a wonderful set of parents. They both passed in the last six weeks. And the the hardest part really was – what this did to my father emotionally. My father had sold a medical practice after 50 years. He had this wife who, after my mom died three weeks after he did, they would have been married 75 years, Um, four kids, three, two grandchildren, five great-grandchildren, and um, he can kick himself like many other victims do for not having, quote, seen this. Mm -hmm. Coming, But there was just clearly no way.
0: Let's start at the beginning for our audience who have no idea. They know that Bernie Madoff was a crook. They know that he was a liar. They know the devastation, but they don't know exactly what happened. If you don't mind, starting at the beginning, tell everybody what happened to your parents and how they got involved in all of this and what exactly happened.
5: We never talked money and retirements in our house. And I was in graduate school at the time and called my mom this is the night after the arrest of bernie madoff became known uh-huh. and i called my mom the next morning and you know he was from long island and i just said mom do you know do you know this guy bernie madoff and there was my mother's always very upbeat very gracious just always smiling and ready with a joke and i could tell and her tone, that something had happened and that they had been invested with them. I did not know anywhere near the extent to which they had been invested, but I did know it had been since 1990 when the New York Times wrote an article that uh, cleared Bernie Madoff of any kind of wrongdoing after an accounting firm that had gone bankrupt, was their clients were turned over to Bernie and the times wrote an article saying we've done our investigation and everybody's fine. You want to invest with Bernie, go ahead and invest with Bernie. So all this time, my father got statements, the statements matched what was in the newspaper. He never talked to Bernie Madoff except for like two weeks beforehand. And my father, whether Bernie was in treasuries or whether they were in stock. My father said, well, do you think it's time to flip? And he goes, oh, don't worry, doc. Your money's safe with me. And for so many people in that age group, their biggest regret is not having been able to leave anything for their children. No legacies. These are um, men and women who came from probably middle class homes, Children of immigrants or immigrants themselves had fought in either World War II or the Korean War, and they're forced to take money out. I mean, when you hit 71 and a half, you have to take money out of your IRA. So you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you didn't. So the bankruptcy trustee, if you didn't take the money out, the IRS would slam you. If you did take the money out, the bankruptcy trustee slammed you. So my parents were among the unfortunate few who were, quote, clawed back. You know, there was anticipation that the SIPC, which was formed from the uh, Security Investment Protection Act, which formed its uh, sort of insurance for securities. There was the expectation that they would get up to five hundred thousand dollars in cash. And when they found out that wasn't happening, that's when the, the devastation hit that, you know, their life wasn't going to be what they thought. Luckily, they had kept some money out. And they had made some different investments, so they were able to stay in a nice facility. But the emotional toll.
0: Eileen, what percentage would you say? I don't ask I won't ask you numbers, but what percentage I of, your, that. of your parents' savings How, would you say were were lost in the Bernie Madoff scheme?
5: Probably about seventy.
0: Seventy percent of what yeah. your father had saved and and grown from his many years as a doctor, correct?
5: Bingo yeah but the emotional toll was so great. um he still lived to be a hundred bless his soul, you know and may rest in peace and he turned a hundred in December. My mom turned ninety seven in December and then he died february twenty fourth my mom died three weeks later um but he was not the he's he's always been a fantastic father and a loving man, and he and my mom would uh you know walked down the hallway holding hands and stuff so they were really in love and they just had this beautiful relationship raised a beautiful family um my dad read a lot up until like a week before he died he was reading three musketeers so just to watch him just fade emotionally was when did he
0: know that the money was gone did he know when the money that the money was gone when Bernie Madoff was arrested? Or did he know sometime before that that what he had been promised by Madoff and his group was coming back with interest never was coming back? When did he know?
5: The day Bernie Madoff was arrested. And he I mean, all you need to know about him is he stole from Elie Wiesel. I mean, come on, humanitarian Holocaust survivor, took his personal money, took his foundation's money, took money from little old school teachers, you know, teachers, pension funds, carpenters pension fund in New York. And some people didn't even know that they were invested with Bernie, even though they were warned something could happen. And I just read today that none of those feeder funds have have uh, had to face the music, so to speak.
0: And what have been the years since? So he was arrested, I think, something like 2009.
5: Does that make a, a sense? Yes. I'm not good with Two, the years. End of 2008, yeah. December 11th, 2008.
0: So 70% of your parents' life savings were taken from them. Mm-hmm. And they knew that in 2008, 2009, when Bernie Madoff was arrested, he would mm-hmm. go to jail and your parents were to were to live another 12 years. What were those... They had thirty percent. What were those twelve years like in, your, in um, your family?
5: Different than what they thought it would be. I think you know they had the idea they would be able to stay in their beautiful home in Florida. Boy, and I like that house! Um, but you know they just they just couldn't afford the upkeep, so they took you know the balance and we found a place for them near my sister and brother in New York, mm-hmm. and that's where they lived. And my mother always said she didn't, even though they were ninety when they went there Mm -hmm. she said she didn't feel she belonged she just felt like you know kind of old age homes are necessary sometimes but she thought she'd be able to stay in her home with full-time help so they'd gotten rid of their long-term care insurance
0: why do you think eileen it's so embarrassing for many of the victims i talked to diana about this Is it just the vulnerability? Is it just the being taken advantage of? Or why do you think so many of these victims, whether they be A-list celebrities or just random people like your parents, are so fearful about talking about it publicly?
5: They feel embarrassed. They feel, I think, you know, my dad wasn't alone thinking he should have caught it. And I'm like, Dad, there are, you know, stock traders who got taken. There were banks who got taken. And let me make something really clear This was an affinity crime. So it hit Jews the hardest. And the anti-Semitism that came out following actual. his I won't say his arrest following the time he turned himself into the into the FBI was mind numbing. But I think people have come to understand now what just an evil man he was. But I think it's the whole issue of trust and, you know, thinking, how could we have been so dumb? And, you know, why don't we see the signs? What signs? I mean, the guy was chairman of NASDAQ. He was a consultant to the SEC. And he had all sorts of accolades and. And the, you know, the reports, not as fancy as you'd get from city court, maybe, but. They, everything matched up, so he checked it against the newspaper.
0: Tell me about the Madoff Survivors Group that you're a part of. I'd love to hear a little bit about that.
5: Sure, that was started by a woman named, um, I can't remember her name. I'm getting old. Okay. Um, by a woman who wanted to have put together this group where people whose families were invested or were invested themselves so that we could strategize and figure out what our next steps were. At first, it started as a very cohesive group, and we bonded over the fact we lost money.
0: Eileen, last question, and maybe this is a hard one. Maybe it's an easy one. I'd like to know, had your parents survived him, Bernie Madoff? Had your dad gotten up in the morning or your mom gotten up in the morning, both of them, and read or heard of the news of his passing? What would their, and I'm asking you to speculate here, what would your parents' reaction to that be? I think
5: my mother would have been pretty direct and very sarcastic and like, well, isn't that too damn bad? My father, I don't know. It may have just hit him all over again. It may have um, he may have used some foul language, which I never (laughs) heard him use. But it's I almost wish they had been alive to, to see them. But he did live them by, you know, a lot of years. Yeah. I was glad to see he died. I'm not I don't dance on anybody's grave. When somebody dies, he die, they die. And that's the icky thing. But I'm not losing any sleep and I'm not shedding a tear.
0: Eileen Kent, uh, all the way from Georgia. You're really, really kind. Not only to me, to everybody else, to shed some more light on this story and I can't wish you anything but all the very best to you and your family moving forward. Thank Thank
5: you so much, sir. It was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Hey, back with us on Mitch Unfiltered is John Waterstrat, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions. Not to mention the presenting sponsor of our fun March Madness Pool. Thank you for that, John, by the way. Give us an update. What's the latest
3: at Fireside? Well thanks, Mitch. It's great to be back and just kind of talking to your listeners. And uh, it's been great the Puget Sound area is starting to open itself back up and I still think that the whole remodel people wanting to do something to their home continues to get people pouring into our showrooms, and we feel very very blessed to be able to help them in any way we can we
0: want to have your team over to the house to come up with a solution outside we want to put a new fire pit out there I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that well tell us about that arm the fire pit arm of the fireside business
3: yeah, it's a great complementary business to our fireplace business. People want that nice, warm feeling outside, so uh, it's it's done well. So people want to extend those areas outside. So we're able to put a fireplace for a nice living room area outside, or we can do that gathering space on our fire pits. So again, we can do up to uh, fireplaces, fire pits, and we could even provide you heaters outside, to extend those uh, chilly nights in the Northwest to a longer period of time outside. Perfect. And while the name is Fireside Home Solutions, you guys introduced
0: garage doors, a garage doors layer to your business not too long ago. Tell us why you did that and how it's been.
3: Uh, we were able to have an opportunity to uh, purchase one of our competitors. He was doing fireplaces and garage doors. He wanted to retire. So we were able to kind of blend our two companies together. We looked at that garage door business and we said, wow, what a great complementary business to fireplaces creating that warm, cozy feeling inside was that same feeling that people wanted to do on the outside to add to that curb of feel their home. It's one of those things when neighbors drive by and they look at your house like, wow, what happened to that house? And to add that nice curb of feel both outside now and then inside the home and having that warm, cozy place, it's, it's pretty exciting to have both of those pieces of our business well it's
0: exciting for us to be partnered with fireside home solutions for the last few years we're really thrilled and privileged to have you aboard we love you firesidehomesolutions.com
8: unfiltered
2: On the north side of Minneapolis, it has been a year of change, including for the football coach, who happened to be a police officer in the school. In the name of mainly progress, Charles Adams is moving forward.
6: Obviously, the city has changed, and you know, a lot of people are leaving the city. And then, you know, the police department, you know, a lot of guys are leaving the police department as well.
2: To an extent, that includes Adams. He worked inside the school as part of the police force. The city council eliminated those positions. He moved back to the street. Then he got a call from the Minnesota Twins to leave the force and and help run their security.
0: Our next guest is a real inspiration. I became familiar with his story on the HBO show, Real Sports. Charles Adams III is one hell of a high school football coach in Minneapolis, but he's much more than that. He's turned around the North High School football program, making them a perennial contender. His nickname is OA because he was also, until just recently, a longtime member of the Minneapolis Police Force. Coach Adams, a fantastic honor to have you. Thanks for being with us.
6: Mitch, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out to me and this. It's definitely a pleasure to be here and talking with you today.
0: Well, normally we're talking a lot of sports on this podcast, so let's start right there and ask you, how's the North High School football team doing? How'd you do in the abbreviated season this year? You happy?
6: Yeah. uh, Well, I'm never satisfied, but (laughs) definitely was happy. I think uh, this season was um, as troubling as it was to have the opportunity to play. Yeah. Um, at least, you know, more than half of the season, that was good for us. And it gave us opportunity to be around each other and not be locked up in the house. So we were definitely grateful for that. Uh, we did lose one game, um, which was has been a long time in a regular season. Lost to a really good Fridley team. But then we got to play in the Sixth and Championship and won that. And, nice. and that's really all you can ask for.
0: Nice. First George Floyd, Charles, and now Dante Wright. How are you... Your community, your team, the boys, how's everybody doing?
6: You know, uh, to be honest with you, it, it's kind of, you know, in our community, it's like, you know, not again. It's, it's definite questions from the kids, coaches, and saying, you know, you know, is this going to keep happening? Some kids are kind of like numb to it to the point to where it's like, uh, it's just another situation.
0: Go back to last summer and George Floyd, Charles. I know that you've been asked this a million times. Describe what it was like being stuck in the middle, a coach, a mentor to these kids, so much positivity you meant to them and mean to them, and yet you were also a part of the police force. What was that like being caught in the middle?
6: You know, uh, really being in the position and trying to figure out, you know, what what's the best way to keep yourself safe, but then also for the community. But then also understanding the, uh, the anger from everybody in your community and, and why things are the way they are and really torn in between, like you say, you know, just not knowing really, you know, how to how to respond. But then on top of that, really fearing for your own safety, because it's like mm-hmm. you got people genuinely mad and, and, and upset. And it's like, well, how, how are you going to keep yourself safe?
0: When you saw the video, the George Floyd video for the first time, what went through Officer Adams's mind, and then you had to face your inner city football team at such a vulnerable and fragile time in their lives? Go through the thoughts of Officer Adams and then Coach Adams.
6: Well, you know, the, the, the OA, the Officer Adams phase was like, man, that, that's not how we were taught. That's not how we're supposed to do it. Are you kidding me? Like, no, that makes no sense. And I'm like, this is, that's all bad. And then the coach sense was like, hey, I don't agree with this. And hey, this is what you guys got to do because you guys, I mean, that could have been y'all in this predicament. So, you know, like I said, torn in between, it definitely came up.
0: And then you were in the
6: midst of the riots, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then with your boys the next day, right? Yeah, I mean, I felt that was where the strength was, you know, being in in the midst of it, in the middle of it, and then going back to what I know um, the next day.
0: We didn't hear much about racial divide within the police force, within the Minneapolis Police Department. I would imagine, Charles, there was a lot of sensitivities between partners,
6: Uh, not just that, but just people that I grew up with, people, you know, even some, you know, family members. Why? You know, and saying, well, you you wear the badge, you wear the uniform. Are you like them? And do you think that way? And then colleagues and and people in law enforcement not thinking that things were as bad as what everybody else is saying. So, um, yeah, crazy.
0: In the midst of the George Floyd trial, which is ongoing, we get the terrible Dante Wright tragedy. What was your thought when you heard and saw what happened?
6: There's no excuse. Will, will we ever live to see the day where, you know, black lives, black males' lives are valued the same way as everybody else's? And, and it's too many excuses. Like that kid's life was not valued like it should be. And that's what really touches me because I have, you know, I have a son. I have a black male and it's his, you know, how is his life valued? Um, I'm a black male, you know, I have, you know, I have brothers, you know, I have cousins, uh, I have nephews. How is our life valued? And it's not valued in, in some sense. And that's how we feel.
0: From an officer's perspective, could she make a
6: mistake like that? She shouldn't. I mean, anybody can make a mistake. That is an unlikely mistake. It really is because most officers know the difference between their weapon and their taser, and it's two different sides, you know. I mean, I know for sure that when I have my gun out, I have my gun out. And, and if I think I don't have a taser and I think I, I do have my taser, I still, I'm still, i still making sure I check. So it, it, it's, it's, it's a mistake that you cannot make because it, it will become deadly.
0: Did you know or do you know personally either Officer Chauvin or Potter?
6: Uh, no, not the newest officer I, I did. Obviously, you know, being in the police department, knew uh, Chauvin, but, um, no, I don't know the the current officer. Are you paying attention to the trial at all? Oh, absolutely. You have to, uh-huh. y- you have to pay attention. This is important for our city. This is history. So you definitely have to tune in and pay attention.
0: And your decision, Charles, to leave the force, you've now joined the twins in a security role how directly was that decision tied to what happened over the summer in Minneapolis? You, you said to somebody, people know where my heart is at. I wear blue, but I'm black. I feel everybody's pain.
6: I'll be honest with you the, the decision of not being in the schools as a school resource officer, if that was still an opportunity for me and if that still was stood in the we weren't removed from the school district, I would have never considered working for the twins because I still would have been in the position that I am. Mm -hmm. And I felt that I had to be with the kids that I, that I, that I coach and be still in the community. So not having that opportunity, if I would have still been in the school as a resource officer, I would have never even considered it.
0: Where do we go from here, Charles? um, Speak to me as the, I don't know, the host of a, of a podcast that's heard by many speak to our audience. Where, where do we go? What's the next step in trying to rehabilitate and trying to figure out and get our arms around the problems in society, would you say?
6: Well, I think the biggest thing is identifying and, and coming to grips that just black lives, black males' lives are not of importance to most, to most people. And, and understanding that, for one. And for two, um, having and changing the culture of policing, and, and that's going to take actually more support it's actually going to take more support and even more funds to recruit people that want to be in law enforcement for the right reasons and help out and have a different mindset taking away money and getting rid of uh, funding and, and stuff like that is is not adding any positive things to it because you're not adding fresh meat you're not you're not adding people that think differently in the police department
0: are there flaws in the training? operations to become an officer?
6: I think the flaws are the, uh, the lack of seriousness that you take when you're being trained. I think, you know, just from my experience that being trained is definitely professional and all the training that I've been through is, is useful, but it's really on the person and how serious they take it throughout their career.
0: And your words to your kids, I shouldn't call them kids, young men who play on your football team, so that they can live a life without fear
6: continue to be who you are but be aware be aware be aware of the circumstance and do what you are supposed to do to make sure that yourself is safe that's really the best advice i can give them just to continue to keep yourself safe but respect the situation and but when it's all said and done being safe and taking care of your safety
0: It's great to visit with you. I I want you to tell everybody in our remaining moments together, Coach Adams, I'm calling you Coach Adams, how many years has it been since you've coached North High School? And give everybody a sense in our audience of what that program, what that football program was like. How many games that program was winning when the man took over?
6: (laughs) When the man took over. Uh, Thanks for the kind words, Mitch. You know, I'm a Polar, so I I graduated from North High. My mother, father, uncles – we all attended North High, so it's a family tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky to be a part of the coaching staff uh, in 2007, 2008, 2009 as an assistant, and then uh, the coaching staff moved on to another school, and I felt I had to step up. So 2010 was my first season as the head coach, and we struggled each year, but each year we got better. You know, We went to in one or two, and one season in none to – after you know the two or three game win season then we started gradually just piling on each year and we've done pretty well at uh winning and getting to the state tournament winning the state tournament winning section championships and and getting kids off to school we've been really successful with that how many years you going to do this (sighs) man you got guys in you got guys in minnesota that 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 retired after 50 years i'll tell you this uh i I, am going to keep it going. Why not? I'm just, I think I'm just getting started. How
0: many career wins do you have as a head coach?
6: Do you know? I have no idea. (laughs) You you, you, you know, I don't know that. I mean, Uh, I'm just, uh, I can tell you how many, I can tell you how many guys I got to school though. So Uh, um, that's, what's most important.
0: Well, I think uh, from where I sit all the way out here in Seattle, you've got a group of young men that are very, very lucky to have you. I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom, sharing your thoughts, and sharing what has been just a just a brutal couple of years with us yeah, here on Mitch Unfiltered. Great to visit with yeah. you. All the best to you with the Twins. All the best to you with your guys at North High School. Go Polars.
6: Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate it. It was definitely a pleasure.
0: Hey, it's time for a visit with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. Hey, Dan. Hey, Mitch. Things seem to be moving in the right direction for you guys at Zeke's. You're expanding both in dining room capacity and locations.
8: Yeah, I got to tell you, it feels good to have some normalcy coming back. I think everybody's experiencing it, not just at Zeke's. I actually got stuck in traffic the other day. It actually felt good. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's people out and about, and that includes at Zeke's in the dining rooms. And it's... um, you know it's just fun to have people back and in our dining rooms and just being out and the new locations coming where yeah so we mentioned bellingham uh we're on track for late spring early summer there we're really excited about that one yep uh we've also mentioned stuff like seward park mount lake terrace white center burien so those are those are all in the pipeline and uh and more coming even after that. All
0: right, so what's the Black family having delivered to their door these days in terms of pizza and beer?
8: Yeah, <laughs> last time you asked me this, I got in trouble because I went right into how the whole family was drinking Hot Tropic. So for the record, Georgia is not drinking Hot Tropic. But uh, the whole family's eating Cherry Bomb pizza. That's that's one of our classics, and it's it's a fave out there, and it's definitely one of the Black family's uh, favorites. Uh, and then the beer right now is Moon Booter IPA. We brew it together with Old Schoolhouse Brewery out of Winthrop and it's it's just a really tasty West Coast IPA that you can you can drink a lot of or just sip it if you want but it's it's really good.
0: How's uh, the delivery arm of the business doing Dan?
8: It's good, it's still strong. It's uh, as people dine out more there's uh, slightly less delivery and takeout but what we make up for both in sales and then just excitement of having people back is totally worth it.
0: Download the Zeke's Pizza app and have Zeke's to your door in no time. Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the northwest Unfiltered. to north texas softball where pflugerville native and hendrickson high school grad hope trout wine made history on sunday when she threw a perfect game with 21 strikeouts guys let me break that down for you that means hope struck out every single batter she faced the outfielders and infielders behind her could have just taken half the day off Episode 138, they said it was impossible. Yeah, a Division I softball player can throw a no-hitter, even a perfect game. They can strike out 21 in a seven-inning contest. Rare, but it's been done three times in the history of Division I college softball. But how about both? On the Division I level, the first time in history, North Texas pitcher Hope Troutwine did the impossible on Masters Sunday a perfect, perfect game. 21 up, 21 down, all strikeouts, and here she is. Hi, Hope. Hi. Thanks for having me. I read the hashtag. Hope is dope. What's your life been like since a couple of Sundays ago?
9: It's been crazy. I've gotten countless messages. All the articles are coming out. I have family members who are like, hey, I saw you on ESPN. I saw you on ABC News. It's It's been crazy, but it's awesome.
0: Walk us through it. Arkansas Pine Bluff on Master Sunday. 21 up and 21 down, all by strikeout. And you had no idea what you were doing.
9: No, I I just knew that innings were going by fast. And at the beginning of the game, our offense was struggling a little bit. So my job as a pitcher is just get us back in the dugout, score some runs. And... I just adhered to my game plan really well and it ended up just being this great game. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it like baseball
0: where when a pitcher is throwing a no-no, all of his teammates try to avoid him in the dugout between when they're on offense, when they're at the at the plate or is softball, does softball not have that tradition?
9: Some pitchers do, um and I understand why because it is a kind of a a mental game, but I don't know. I enjoy being in the dugout too much. I enjoy being on offense and I really just enjoy my teammates. I I wouldn't want them to ignore me. (laughs) Did
0: you feel any different hope during warmups As the day progressed, as you got ready to start, I mean, you start probably every week and you're, we'll talk about it, you're kind of a fifth-year senior, you're in grad school. Was there anything special? Did you have anything for breakfast? Tell us what you had for breakfast. I want to know what you had for
9: breakfast. (laughs) Um, So... Before warm-up, I had just eaten a Subway sandwich, if that's (laughs) (laughs) that's anything. (laughs)
0: Uh, What was on Um, the sandwich? Hold on. No, no. That's not enough. I need to know what was on the Subway sandwich, Hope.
9: Okay. So I got ham, um, (laughs) pickles, mayonnaise, mustard, and then we got chips and a cookie. Okay. What, what kind of <laughs>
0: chips? I need to know down to the chip. What kind of chips? They were
9: baked Lay's okay. and a okay. chocolate chip cookie. Okay. B-
0: <laughs> <bake> lay- <laughs> Ham sandwich, baked Lay's and a chocolate chip cookie, and then you go out to warm up. Nothing different?
9: Not really. I mean, I was throwing hard. I, um, my ball had a little bit of life to it. But, I mean, I'm an up ball pitcher. I throw my rise ball as my best. So... Whenever my ball is a light ball and it has a lot of life to it, I usually have some of my best games.
0: You know, I spoke to Tate, your sports information guy, before our interview started, and he told me that the top of the fourth was your most difficult frame because it was the top of the order the second time around, and they were able to foul a couple
9: off. (laughs) I remember the fourth inning. That was the time they tried to bunt a couple times. Oh. Um, Yeah, so. That would have ruined it. You know, that's been – yeah, but luckily they just felled a couple of things off. So tell us about
0: Hope Trout Wine. Pflugerville, Texas. We're up here in Seattle. We don't know much about Texas, but Pflugerville, Texas, grad student who got another year because of COVID. Tell us your story, if you would.
9: Yeah, so um, we is a suburb of Austin, kind of the North Austin area. Mm-hmm. I love living there. It, it used to be very rural, and, and it's kind of just exploded But I found my way to Denton my senior year of high school. I went to an uncommitted seniors camp and the previous coach for North Texas saw me and she literally had me on a visit that next weekend and I just kind of fell in love. And they say that Denton, Texas, where um, North Texas is, is kind of like a mini Austin because it's, it's very quirky, it's There's a lot of cool places to go and discover, and it's definitely a college town, and I I fell in love with it.
0: North Texas has been in the news lately in the world of college sports with the NCAA tournament, so you put them back into the news.
9: Yes, our basketball team, they made a great run this year. They're super fun to watch, but, yeah, they've been everywhere. How crazy has the reaction been,
0: Hope? Take us through what your life has been since that Masters Sunday, 21 up and 21 down the first ever in the history of Division One college softball. A perfect, perfect game. How has your phone been? What kind of interview? How many interviews have you done? Anything fun?
9: Yes, it's been insane. My, my phone's blowing up 24-7. I've gotten thousands of new followers on Instagram, Twitter. People even add me on Snapchat, which is something I, I don't give out. Um, but they found me by search and I've had softball players that are like super famous and influential. They, they tweet me, they comment at me, they share my news articles. I've given about 20 interviews or so, probably more. Uh I think, yeah, definitely more Um, over the past week. It's been incredible.
0: Have you enjoyed your 15 minutes of fame?
9: Hope. <laughs> it's been a little bit more than 15 minutes. But I think that that Sunday night afterwards, you know, Tate and Texas, he's like, Oh, hey, yeah, Sports Center, you're going to be on there. And then my boyfriend, he was back in Texas when we were in Arkansas. He sends me a screenshot of a push notification that ESPN had, like, sent, like, North Texas pitcher, hope Troutwine strikes out 21 in a perfect game. And He was like, dude, you're on on ESPN. I was like, oh, my God. And, of course, my roommate, she was taking an exam while I'm getting all these notifications. So I'm like, in the the other bed, I'm like, I have to be quiet because she's taking an exam, but I really just want to, like, explode and scream. And and I had to be quiet, and I was waiting for her to finish. And then after she was done, I was like, okay, so guess what? (laughs) I'm on (laughs) SportsCenter right now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is fantastic. She was like, no way. Here's the kicker: your parents typically come to every game. How they right. how they enjoy being at the game where you struck out
9: all 21 that you faced. Well, sadly, they weren't able to make it. That series we we played Sunday, Monday. It was actually supposed to be played Friday, Saturday, but weather delayed it, so oh. they weren't able to make it. Sna- yeah, but you some know- parents at the game texted them and. They were so happy.
0: You know the story, though. Now they can't come again. No more. (laughs) Tell your parents to stay away. This is the key. Imagine, had they been staying away all this time for four years, you could have been throwing these 21 up, 21 down strikeouts.
9: (laughs) Well, my first 21 strikeout game, they were actually at in Corpus Christi against a and Corpus. Um, but they were not in attendance at my second 21 strikeout game. So, I guess maybe they just have to stay away. (laughs) Well... Happened a fourth time.
0: I have to tell you, Hope, I've left the tough one for last. I'm very, actually very disappointed in you. By the way, Hope Trout-Wine, University of North Texas, she's got a 1.53 ERA this year, her final season. 135 strikeouts in 73 innings. But I'm really disappointed because I noticed that you've pitched again, you pitched last weekend again, and it was a complete game win. You gave up no earned runs, but you only struck out seven in the complete game. I'm very, (laughs) very, what happened? What what happened to you? Why did you become human again, Hope? (laughs)
9: Well, in my defense, we only played five innings because okay. my offense was amazing and they run rolled them. Okay. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they were a little bit tougher on me. So, I guess.
0: <laughs> What's next for you? This is it. This is a, you've been playing softball probably since you were little. How does it feel to mm-hmm. be essentially playing and pitching for the final season? And you know, you're you're getting your MBA. You're in grad school is it going to be sad to
9: to not pitch anymore well luckily i have one more season oh this, you do before okay. covid yes this would have been my senior year okay. um but i do get one more season after this i decided to graduate early in december okay um, with my bba and accounting okay. and then i started my first semester of my nba studies this this spring so i'll hopefully graduate in may 2022 after my fifth year um but yeah that's been that's been super crazy but my professors are so excited they've all been emailing me but after i don't really know what i'm gonna do
0: yeah i was gonna ask where will hope be in five years from now who you who will you be telling about hey you know what five years ago in a softball game I struck out Arkansas Pine Bluff. I struck out all 21 batters that I faced. I'm the only guy, I'm the only gal that's ever done that before. <laughs>
9: well, I mean, dream job would be coaching softball. For I would, I'm just so passionate about softball. I can't imagine doing anything else. Shit. I thought I could pitch forever, and I wanted to pitch forever, but I can't. And that's something I just want to be around because I just love it.
0: North Texas pitcher Hope Trout Wine did it. Uh, she did it on Master Sunday, the first ever perfect, perfect game in Division One softball history. She faced 21. She struck them all out. Nobody got a ball in play, and she sounds delightful. Hope, thank you so much for doing your, your thousandth interview with us on Mitch Unfiltered. We appreciate it very much. All the best to you the, the rest of this season and next season. Thank you so much. Lindsay Schwartz is back with us. He's the CEO of Daniel's Broiler, of course, and I'd imagine, Lindsay, that with expanding dining room capacities, vaccines, you guys should be seeing some forward momentum these last few weeks and months at Daniel's Broiler.
2: We are for sure. It's been a crazy year, obviously, but uh, over the past several months, every week we get a little bit busier. And uh, now that we can seat up to 50% capacity and tables of 10, we've got pretty much every available seat full every night.
0: So you have Leschi, South Lake Union, and the Bellevue locations open. Tell me a little bit about what that's meant to your business, the expanded capacity in the dining rooms.
2: Well, you know, we sell the six-foot rule. And so at 50% now, it's about as many tables as we could seat and still keeping them six feet apart. So it's about as much business as we'll be able to do until there's another significant change. But it's good. You know, we're fortunate that we have pretty big footprints in our locations, and we're able to seat a lot of people. And remember, we have outdoor seating at all three locations as well. So um, uh, we got a good amount of seats available.
0: Nice. Takeout and delivery on the rise at Daniel's Broiler as
2: well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of the one of the nice things that's come out of all this is we've really, really seen a huge upswing in our delivery to go business. And and even as we get more people back inside, the delivery takeout continues to be really, really solid. So we think that's a really a new piece of business for us. that's here to stay. And uh, it just gives people more options.
0: We all love special occasions at Daniel's Broiler. And before you know it, Mother's Day will be here, Lindsay.
2: Yeah, that's one of the biggest days of the year, one of the biggest weekends of the year. It's really nice that we now can do groups of up to 10. And as you said, more people are getting vaccinated. And for people who want to come out and have a larger group, a group up to 10, we can now accommodate that. So we're really excited and just in time for Mother's Day. It's going to be a really great day.
0: Fantastic. Always been a great partner of mine, both in the radio days and now with Mitch Unfiltered, Daniel's Broiler, World Class Steakhouses. Hey, hey, another chance to visit with my man Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage. How are we doing, Jordan?
10: We're doing great, Mitch. Thank you. And thanks for having me back on. It's great to have a great partner on.
0: Interest rates spike a little bit from where we were for the longest time, especially during the pandemic. Did all of us who hesitated to buy or refinance, did we blow it,
10: Jordan? You definitely haven't blown it. Anybody out there, the rates are still at historic lows. There has been a little tick up, but there's still phenomenal time to look at refinancing or purchasing that new home.
0: Where exactly does that leave all of us that are selling or buying a house? Tis the season.
10: Tis the season, it's the spring season. It's historically that time of year, everybody's getting their homes ready to sell or buyers out there already looking on the market. It kind of hit a little earlier this year, extremely competitive environment, homes are appreciating and selling for 10, 20, even some 30% over list. And so it leaves a lot of sellers right now wondering, well, if we sell, where do we go? Uh, we do have solutions and programs to help people buy a new home non-contingent and still use the equity of their departing residents. We're helping people Win there, sellers win there, so they can buy that new home before they uh, list and sell their house. And we're helping first-time homebuyers in this incredibly challenging environment. And then winning offers still five ten percent over. So
0: there's lots of areas where Jordan and his team at the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage can help you, not just strictly mortgages. Where would they call? Where would they phone? Would they go to you directly or somewhere else?
10: They can reach me on my office line four two five two five zero. 3145 or on my cell phone at 425 890 2957.
0: The Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage. Great partners, Jordan Flowers and his team of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered.
1: episode 138 it's the uh it's the Richard Gould other stuff segment by the way I I know what he looks like now because somebody tagged he and I in the same tweet oh you met for coffee or something why are people why do do they do that (laughs) I I don't want to be on a thread with him why do you don't why would I hate me why do I want to be on a thread with him for (laughs) I don't love doing that I don't
0: does he hate you I guess on the show
1: he does yeah, it's, I mean, he hates me on the show.
0: <laughs> he calls my material stale. That's true. Your material is stale. <laughs> we interview somebody new every single week. We talk about new things every single week. Right. We try to reinvent the wheel every
1: single... And what we're doing is stale. So he hates me too. Is it stale to say that J-Lo and A-Rod broke up? Yeah. And what are we going to do with this $1.8 million engagement ring? Who gets that back? Judge Judy. Who gets that back? Or who gets or to keep who gets that, that to I, guess. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Does a Rod get that back? Is he entitled to get that back?
0: Well, this is a this is an age old question. He's he would not be the first person to give a diamond ring to a to a fiance in engagement, and then have the engagement. What, what's the what's the standard protocol? I've never been in that situation. It depends the on protocol? the state,
1: from what I was able to okay. gather. But typically, you don't get gifts back unless it is an engagement ring. A gifted contemplation of marriage is the legal term. So, depending upon your state, you can get it back if you gave it. But then it depends on who broke it Florida? up. I didn't well I'm not allowed How if to talk about separation? Florida. it's a mutual separation, so I don't even <laughs> I don't even say that word on the show anymore. Oh gee. Now if if rod broke it off, yes, if they can prove he broke it off, she gets to keep it. Does she care? Does he care? At one point And does million. he care? Right.
0: By the way, I like her infinitely more than I like him. You oh, know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm just to see I, I really like her. I like She's everything great. about her. Yeah, I yeah. like her attitude. I like her talents. I like her looks. I like everything about J-Lo is A okay by me. Yep. And I don't like him at all. <laughs> and I don't
1: know why. I probably. It's, no it, one knows why. Everyone hates know. him and they He's don't know why. He's probably
0: a nice guy.
1: <laughs> of course he is. All right, I'm going to change. <laughs> now you love if him. If you
0: could change and I <laughs> could change, we all could
1: change. All right, this has been the story of the pandemic. William Amos, who has all represented right. the Quebec Direct. Or Quebec district of Pontiac in 2015 he appeared on the screens of his fellow lawmakers completely naked on Wednesday people can't stop doing this like like i told you we our generation's not built for the internet we're just not the young people this like your kids my both kids,
0: literally and figuratively
1: we're not built <laughs> that's exactly for right. the internet like
0: we're just we're,
1: we're not we're just not even though we can use it we're just not made for it he didn't know his camera was on He's completely naked. He's trying to change to go for a jog. How does he not know? I'm the most illiterate technological guy that you know. Yeah.
0: How does he not know that his camera's on and he's naked in front of the camera? I don't how know how that know? works.
1: He sincerely apologized to his colleagues in the House of Commons for his unintentional <laughs> distraction. Obviously, right. it won't happen again. And can we please not uh, fire this guy, everybody? just It was oh, a mistake. Did, did we fire him? No, we haven't okay. yet. But you know, okay. people do get in trouble for this kind of stuff. Have you seen the latest rumored Alex Trebek successor? I do have that, and I will skip right over that one. Yes, I have. And it's, some people are not happy about well, it. Well, it's what I love because none of us can really figure this out. We love
0: to hate Joe Buck, don't we?
1: People do. I I don't have a feeling one way or another. I guess, yeah. I, but you're right. Everyone just people hate oh, Joe Buck. It's the craziest thing. Maybe he's it, smug, or and
0: it's an and it's an angry hate. It's <laughs> right. not a passive hate. <laughs> right. Joe Buck is the rumored next host of Jeopardy.
1: Yeah. Well, he's, whatever that means. He's getting a tryout. I mean, he's yeah. doing like a two week. Stint. You yeah, know. but
0: I'm hearing he's, he's like the front-runner, a front-runner to be Alex
1: Trebek's successor as the host of Jeopardy. One outlet did report that, that he is the favorite to be the successor. Why do
0: people hate Joe <laughs> Buck?
1: I have spoken
0: to him two or three times. I have a mutual, we have a mutual friend, by the way. Joe Buck and I have a mutual friend okay. who just will tell you he's the greatest guy. And the two or three times that I've interviewed him, he comes across as self-deprecating, very nice. Right. People hate Aaron and <laughs> Joe Buck. No, I know. I
1: know. They, they can't tell you <laughs> I why know, either. I, they hate. Oh, they can tell you why. Oh, I know. P- people will be able to tell you why. For for Joe Buck. Oh yeah, but he's a guy that doesn't really say anything. Like wh- why? Where does the strong opinion even come from? He thinks that everybody thinks he's
0: anti their team. Oh, is that and it? And he says he gets the last laugh because he'll do a game between the Giants and the Cowboys. Yeah. And he'll get 20 letters the next day, you were so anti-Giants, Ugh. in between 20 letters saying you were anti-Cowboys. <laughs> right, you can't win. Just you were both. So. But
1: yeah. people hate Joe Buck. Yes, anyway. they do. Man. Taylor Swift is better than the Beatles. I like Taylor Swift. Oh, good. Well, I like her music. I like Taylor Swift. She's better than the Beatles now. She made chart history with the yes, re-release she. of Fearless. Now here's the chart history part. Okay. The album hit number 1 on Friday in the UK and with that, she has racked up 3 number 1 albums wow. in 259 days. Wow. Less than a year. The, the album Now you remember she re-recorded one of those cuz she wanted to get her music back. Oh. Do you remember that? I told you on the show a while back. Somebody has the rights to her music, they're being an a-hole about it. Yeah. The song she wrote when she was freaking 15 in her room. Yeah. She doesn't own so she said, F Kinda you. Kind of like
0: Gary Player has to buy his own rights back. <laughs> That's right. His own person back. So
1: she said, F you. I'm just going to re-record the entire album note for note, and then I'll own that one. And that one shot to number one. She's trying to make her old one that, that, that he owns irrelevant. Anyway, uh-huh. so the Beatles did, had three albums in a row, but it took them 364 days, those hacks. She did it in 259. Where are
0: you on consideration for your next podcast, your Patreon podcast on a music, person in the music industry? I think I'm about... Seventy five percent done with the script. Are we gonna get it one in April? Are we getting the next installment in April? Didn't you
1: say once a month? I'm trying, but now I'm behind and I'm it's behind. April 18th. I know. And you
0: got some consultant work that you have to
1: worry that about. That too. I got this proposal yeah. to put together. Yeah. I know. I got all kinds of want stuff. Want me to do it for you? I do not want me to do the next one? Oh, the next music one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll tell you who it is off the air and you can go what? ahead and handle it. Who? Wait a second. Oh, you get to pick? Then right. I don't I don't <laughs> want to. No, no, wait. wait a second. You're gonna tell me who I gotta do? <laughs> the music of Carol King up next. <laughs> I actually like Carol King, but I no. I, I I will do my best to get it done in April. I'm going to try
0: How about if I do a parody of you doing Bring it music, on the music
1: shows? You got time for that. Bring it on. Are you a Lord of the Lord of the Rings guy? No. Neither am I. It's weird. I'm just, I, I've tried. I'm out on Lord of the Rings. And and I've kind of come around on fantasy. Like, I love Game of Thrones. Like, I've come around on that stuff. I hate that stuff. I, I tried to sit through the first can't, one. Can't like, look fuck, at any of that I stuff. I don't know who, I can't keep track of who's who. No, I'm not.
0: Okay. Well, Game of Game of Thrones, in its most expensive year, okay. cost $100 million to produce. Game of Thrones, okay. Game of Thrones. The whole season. I'm just putting it, what I'm about to tell you, in its proper perspective. Okay. I, I think it cost like eight or ten million in season one. Only cost about eight or ten million in budget to do, and then as it grew in stature, yeah. I guess the last year—I don't know what year it was, eighth year—I never watched it. It cost hundred million dollars to put that show together by HBO. For I For everyone it's HBO. to bitch about it, okay? <laughs> yeah. Lord of the Rings is coming to TV. Did
1: you know that? Like a TV series? Yes. Okay, A
0: fantasy TV series on Amazon. Oh, interesting. Amazon Prime is bringing to the world the Lord of the Rings television series. Okay. $500 million budget in season (laughs) one. The most expensive, I'm going to say it again, Game of Thrones year was $100 million. They are spending five, Amazon is spending $500 million on season
1: one. Of Lord of the Rings. This better look frickin' awesome. <laughs> I mean, I now, I, now I have that. to watch. But I can't even ha- believe that. I, I just, I'm just i trying to do the math on how they make that back. Like, how many more people are going to sign up for Prime? I, I guess I, I guess they make it back somehow. I mean, obviously they have to, but that's incredible for one series.
0: One series, how,
1: one year. They, how, and how, how, about, how many shows are they going to do? 12? 10? 8? Yeah, 12 probably. 12? 12, yeah, I don't know. 500 million. Whew. Now I have to watch. Are you going to give it a try or no? No,
0: absolutely not. It might be easier. To I don't even
1: know. What Lord. I, I never even read the books, Lord of the Rings. It might be easier to digest in, in episodes, though, because those movies are like three and a half hours, and I don't know. I, I'm definitely going to watch. I, I totally, I came around on Game of Thrones. I stayed away forever, and then I went to Microsoft, and all my nerdy 25-year-old co-workers were saying, you haven't watched Game of Thrones? <laughs> they made me sit there. <laughs> they, they, they all literally said, we're going to take any, any work you have, we're going to do it so you can watch it. I will watch I the
0: premiere it. of Lord of the Rings under one condition. Okay? OK, baseball super fan Richard Gould will watch with me. Oh, he and I will watch
1: together. This guy's becoming famous all of <laughs> a sudden here. And I don't know how I feel. I prefer about to it. call him infamous. Go ahead. You're next. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Big yes. fan.
0: Yeah. Woo. No, hell that's, yeah. No,
1: that's somebody else. Yeah, that would be Ric Flair. Ric Flair. Yeah, okay. Stone Cold. Uh, his is hell yeah. Hell yeah. Which he probably yelled after parting ways with his L.A. home. Who knew that the beer-drinking Rattlesnake had a beautiful home in Marina Del Rey? (laughs) I couldn't have seen that coming. I just picture him on an ATV on a ranch or something, you know. But he had this crazy house that he sold for $3.395 million. Four-bedroom house. I don't know. It just makes me laugh that Stone Cold's got this beautiful house in Marina Del Rey. By the way, Pam Anderson's selling... Her house is an escrow $14.9 million Malibu home. She's now wow. living in Vancouver, just a short time. Isn't she from, from Vancouver?
0: I thought she's from Vancouver. She is. Going back to her roots.
1: That's right. We got, should all do it. Got married? Let's go.
0: We're going back to Florida. Told LA we're
1: out. I'm
0: out. <laughs> I have one last one. Actually, I had uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, but we'll, he's quitting with an irregular heartbeat. I wanted to mention oh, that okay. after 12 seasons in the NBA. But I, I wanted, my last one of the day for the, uh, for the other stuff segment is we were talking about videos making the rounds. Mm hmm. We talked about the two fatsos that were fighting on a golf course. (laughs) Have you seen the girls' basketball brawl? Tell me, you've seen that shot? Was that AAU? As the, yes. Yeah. As the father of an AAU basketball yeah. female player, tell me that you saw the video,
1: I, which I don't know whether to cry yeah. or laugh about. I don't have it in me to laugh. I just think it's disgusting. I just can't do it, and maybe I sound uptight. Or I'm no, on, you I'm don't sound uptight. It's
0: terrible.
1: I, I can't laugh. So, at it. so
0: in this video, if you haven't seen it, it's all over the place. It's an AAU game, like in Indiana, maybe Michigan, somewhere. I don't know exactly where it was. I don't think it's important. I think it was Indiana. Indiana? Yeah. Iowa. Anyway, at an AAU game, one team got so mad at the officiating, they quit. Right. The Which team that's behind. Great, great sportsmanship. They yeah. they got their backpacks and they're gonna walk, they're walking off the court. It was like I think it was like twenty eight to sixteen, something like that. They're walking off the court. And as they're walking off the court, one of the fathers comes onto the court and approaches the, the official who's now calling the game over. Yep. He's like whistling, the game's over, they're quitting. And if you you got to watch it closely, the guy comes out with a video ca- with a phone. He's videoing him on the phone. Yeah, the official did not like that very much, and he swatted the camera out of his hands. Okay, yeah, now it's on. Yeah, and that set off. It was a melee. It was just yeah, it was. He got body, the guy body slammed, body, the official got body slammed. And in the process, here's the most disconcerting thing for me that I don't know whether to laugh or cry. One of the female players, they're like 15 years old. One of the girls is throwing haymakers
1: at the official runs out of nowhere and starts getting her shots in. Yeah. Yeah. I I
0: just couldn't believe it.
1: Right. I couldn't believe that video. Somebody sent me that video. I think it was last week. Yeah. And I'm sitting there looking. I'm waiting for Piper's softball game to start. And I'm looking at it. Oh, my God. And then literally to my right, I took a picture of a sign. Oh, yeah.
0: You tweeted out that sign. I've been at that ballpark.
1: Oh yeah, is that, that
0: an Issaquah? That's somewhere seems, in the hu- uh, like
1: North Bend or Snoqualmie. Oh,
0: North Bend. Okay, I've seen that sign on a on a ballpark before.
1: Yeah, it's a. It's just I happen to look over and see. Please oh remember, these are kids. This is a game. Coaches are volunteers. Umpires are human. This is not professional baseball. Snoqualmie Valley Little League. I looked right at that sign oh. after I watched that video, and it just I, I'm laughing, but it just made me sick to my stomach. Yeah, that stuff's awful. I hate it, and, and believe me, I'm someone who's gone down the YouTube rabbit hole of parent fights, at kids games. There's a lot of them out there, unfortunately. All right, another night. I hope that Jake Paul would get knocked out. Another heartbreak for this yeah, podcast. Brett told me that
0: he. Brett told me that he
1: won in like 90 seconds. Yeah, he knocked out former MMA fighter Ben Askren in the first round. Really knocked him out. Caught him with a big. Someone's gonna. It's the same guy that. I knocked don't even Nate out. really
0: know who Jake Paul well, is. You shouldn't. There's okay, no good, reason to. Good,
1: good. He's just a dipshit YouTuber who got. Okay, okay. He, got he got famous on okay. uh, what was it, Twitter's. Uh, what was that? Vine? It was called. You got oh, fame. Vine. Yeah, he got famous right. on that, and now okay. he's probably Good makes a hundred million dollars a year. Does or, he really? I don't know. He's yeah. Someone's gonna have to fight this guy because he he clearly has some boxing chops. He knocked this this ex MMA guy out like with, a, and he's the same guy that knocked Nate out. So I'm I'm does he hoping does, does he fancy him
0: himself like a real boxer? Yes,
1: without question.
0: Yeah, he he wants to fight like legit boxers. Okay. He like really wants to. So this isn't like a gimmick. This isn't kind of a. A shtick. I, I think it. This po- is like I'm tougher and better in
1: the ring. than I, I want to become a pro. I'm a pro. I'm good enough to be a pro fighter. I think it started as a shtick, if I'm not mistaken. I think he fought another YouTuber, or maybe I'm getting his brother confused. But yeah. he's he's three and zero in his fights, and he, I, someone's gonna have to step in and fight this dork. And I'm just gonna have to watch it again. Maybe Joe Hip. <laughs> goddamn, I would have taken his ass too. No, I wouldn't have. All right, three quick re- uh, RIPS. I'll, you I'll go quick. taken Joe
0: hips No, ass. he would have destroyed
1: me. <laughs> this was probably 1998 too, so he wasn't like you know 60.
0: Joe Hip was a was a legitimate heavyweight fighter. He fought the MGM against like Evander Holyfield. Okay, He's, stop yeah, saying that
1: you were going to take Joe Hip. You a were not going to take tomato can. A tomato can. I'll take his ass down. Okay, I had a few the,
0: beers in me. The single <laughs> biggest tomato can in the history of boxing yeah. would kick your ass uh, you're right. in I eight know. seconds. I know. Okay.
1: Yeah, they were looking. For glad me to we got that straight. You got one last one for me? Yeah, quick, three quick rips oh we got three rips felix silla had a hell of an acting career you you don't you won't know his face why is that he played i won't know his
0: name but i might know his
1: face no no you won't won't know either either but you'll know you'll know the characters he played which is the monsters the adams family cousin it yeah did you see this yeah yeah he played cousin it which i'm sure he got a lot of money for it was a big show no one ever saw his face and then he played a flying ewok in return of the jedi not me (laughs) he played buck rogers robot sidekick Tweaky, I think is how you say it. No. Um, he stood barely four feet tall and weighed about 70 pounds. And he was an E.T., Batman Returns, Poltergeist. He just had a hell of wow. a career. I mean, he was did stunt work for those movies. Oh, but okay. No one knows okay. who he is or what he looks like when okay. he died at 84 years old. So All rest right. in peace to Hester Ford of Charlotte, North Carolina as well. Hester Ford. No. She passed away peacefully at her home at 116 years old. Wow. America's oldest living person passed 116? away. 116? Born in 1904. She has... 12 children, 48 grandchildren, 108 great-grandchildren. Her husband, this is a tough one to wrap your head. Her husband passed away in 1963, and they were married for 45 years. They were married for 45 years in 1963. <laughs> 63. Crazy, right? Yeah, 116 uh, years old, so it's a hell of a life for Hester. Uh, last one, Alma Wahlberg. Her sons are Mark and Donnie Wahlberg. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. She passed away. Um, she was also featured in the A and E series Wall Burgers. They're trying to get some burger chain. No, I've seen Wall Burgers. Yeah, I, I yeah, think they're it's in California. successful. California. Yeah, or oh, are in Cali- they in
0: California? Oh yeah, absolutely. I see them all the time.
1: Okay, well, when I they go there. yeah, I know we see them big in the New England area. But, yeah, um, she was a hostess and greeter at her son's burger joints, but she previously worked as a bank clerk and nurse's aide to help her family make ends meet. The entire family lived in a tight space while growing up in Dorchester, so Boston, so, so,
0: Boston area. right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Sounds yeah, like yeah, an big Celtic woman. Fans.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. So last one. Two women sought to use a $1 million bill. Is there such thing as a $1 million bill? To purchase merchandise at a Dollar General store in Tennessee, okay. police report. Okay. Is there a $1 million bill, are is you this, asking?
0: Is this Tennessee or Florida?
1: This would be Tennessee. Okay. I, I, I looked. Okay. okay. Okay, no, there's no such thing as a one million dollar bill. The largest bill ever printed for public circulation in the U.S. was a ten thousand dollar bill. So not even close to a one. they stopped doing that in 1945. There, there's not even. I didn't know there was not even a five hundred dollar bill these days. One thousand or five thousand. Those all stopped in 1945. So the largest bill is a hundred dollar bill. That's what it looks like. Benjamin yeah. Franklin. Yep, that's that's which the biggest president one. was he? Benjamin Franklin uh, was not, in fact, I president. I saw your face. You were trying to figure it <laughs> I'm out. I'm trying there. to a story here, and you peppered <laughs> me with trivia. Sorry. sorry According to investigators, the duo appeared last Monday morning at the convenience store in Maryville, a Knoxville suburb. Yeah. Their attempt to use the counterfeit bill was thwarted by a sentient dollar general employee who called the cops. <laughs> a million-dollar bill. You mean he didn't put it up to the light? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the sheriff uh, was called for a suspicious incident because – they sought to use the $1 million bill to purchase the merchandise, and, but one of them says, well, I was just along for errands. I didn't know this was <laughs> happening. Yeah. Okay, the woman who actually had it said it was, she got it in the mail from a church. Yeah. Uh, she was unable to provide additional I information, see. but she I said see. that she had a shopping cart full of stuff because she was going to use the money to purchase items for care packages for homeless individuals. <laughs> sure she was and when questioned by the deputy johnson disavowed knowledge and said nah i don't know anything about that that's her problem while the incident was classified by the sheriff's office as fraud by false pretenses they actually were not arrested instead they were issued a verbal no trespass warning prohibiting them from returning to the dollar general store there you go the the bill was confiscated by police and placed into evidence and if you're trying just have you seen a
0: picture of the bill I'd like to see a picture of the
1: bill. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I think there's a picture of it out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're just a little advice to them, if you're trying yeah. to pass a 1 million dollar bill, I may mean, I suggest trying any store but a dollar store? I mean, did they think the store was going to give them change for this? I mean, holy shit. It's more of a comment than it is a joke, but God, go to the Ferrari dealership <laughs> or get a couple of those, right?
0: Don't think it really matters where you go it with a million It doesn't matter, dollars. but if
1: you are going to ever get away with it. Oh. Right. I too get emails about counterfeit $1 bills being circulated near me. $1 bills, I see that all the time. <laughs> I'm so I'm always on the lookout for hot singles in my area. The real victims oh. here, I think we can all agree, are the poor homeless people who will not be getting their care packages like they were promised. I was once, too, the victim of fake concert tickets for The Who. Don't worry, though. I won't get fooled again. And I'm still waiting for my Jerry Seinfeld (laughs) tickets. Exactly. And finally, officials say the woman actually tried to bribe the police when they approached her. She actually tried to slide them a cool $75 bill. How about that, officer? Are we good now? (laughs) There you go. I'm done. Episode 138, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you enjoyed.
0: We'll have 138P on Thursday for the patrons. And we'll continue uh, in search of a new musical episode from either Hot Shot Scott yes. or Mitch Levy. We'll Could see. Mitch Levy enter, <laughs> throw his hat into the musical fray?
1: Ooh. Well, it, it's... Could I do it? It can't possibly be as as good as mine. I mean, these things take time, and you have to have a lot of talent to do it, so I don't know.
0: And by the way, I will keep calling that number to tell them that I did not buy the camera. Please do. Amazon with a zero as the O instead of an O, and see if I can record that conversation. Please do. Suleiman. All right, that's it. Episode 138, ladies and gentlemen, in the books.